I think of that. I think of my dad on the floor dying that night, holding his heart. And I think about how his last thoughts had to be me. Because while I'm dying, I'm just going to be thinking of her. While the Lord's taking me, whoever that takes me, the devil, Buddha, Chen Wu, whoever the fuck takes me. My last two minutes on this planet while I'm dying have to be thinking about her. I need a little rubber room, I need space man, that ain't all. Yeah, get a room for his thing, you know, the folks up on my cage. Put a job with the dishes out, put the trash back in its place. Someday when I'm a man, gonna put them in their place. Cause my old man's a fat though, he's got a pot belly for a mouth. Cause my old man's a fat though, but you know he owns this house. Shalom everybody, happy Pesach. Happy Passover, everyone. Welcome to Ari Skeptic Tech. It's such a nice day in New York. This, it's gotten better. You can feel it. You can feel the vibe. Getting better. Everyone can see it around the corner. They're like, all right, don't jinx it. Don't jinx it, but it's coming. The nice days are coming. I got here just in time. People are just at their downest from the winter, and now they're just ready to get lifted back up. You see it. You, it's, and since it's the East Coast, too, if it's like a high of like 62 during the day, at night, it's like 55, but since it's like humid, you can walk around with a t-shirt and hoodie, and you're fine. Ain't like LA, where it gets freezing at 55. Um, so listen, on today's episode, I have Joey Diaz. He's, he's the fucking most amazing guy in the world. If you haven't seen his story this year, this is not happening, you have missed out. Um, if you want a chance for redemption, I suggest you take it and go to YouTube. You can do it right now. Type in this is not happening playlist and Joey Diaz will be at the top one and just watch that story. Put your phone away. I don't know what else you can do. I was going to say turn the pager off, but I don't think anybody has those. Uh, and just watch. Just watch. It's amazing. So on this episode, I wanted to talk to Diaz. The last time I had him on was shockingly, I mean, as a full episode, episode 57, Parent Hoodwinked, where he talks about his, his, his first daughter. And some of the regrets he has in raising her and more specifically not raising her. Uh, and now Joey's two years into a new fatherhood. His daughter Mercy was born a couple years ago. And I've, I've dealt on this podcast with Bobby Kelly. I did one uh, about being a brand new father. He was like uh, under a month in to being a parent. And I talked to him about what that experience is like and what it really feels like right then. But Diaz, I figured let's get somebody who's been a couple years into uh, – parenthood and let's see you know the good the bad we get the whole thing but what i didn't expect is joey diaz is a master and he brought it to a fucking serious place and an interesting place and he talked kind of like in the story that he told for his friends arida um he told it it's not just this story but about redemption in general and about seeing some of the stuff that, I don't know, incorrect. It, 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 you'll see it. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. It wasn't just about this, this time, but it was about making up for the last time. Man, he brings it to us. He brings it every time. Now, why is he on this week? Why is Joey Diaz on for episode 213, you ask? Well, I need somebody, first of all. But second of all, the 213 is the area code for Hollywood, California. They don't really use it anymore. But when I got to L.A., they were just phasing it out. But, man, nobody represents Hollywood more than Joey Diaz. I mean, sure, he lived in Colorado. Sure, he lived in Seattle. 
But to me, if you got to associate Joey Diaz with an area code, it's the 213 or the 201, North Bergen County. And that's it. I mean, uh, Bobby Lee always had a 213 area code. I always remember that. I had a girlfriend once who she was getting a new cell phone. And uh, and they asked her what – what uh, what uh, they gave her a number. And it was like 323, which is like L.A. in general. And she was like, mm, uh, do you have anything 310? Because she wanted it to seem like she lived in Santa Monica. But, man, the 213 is like the coolest area code you can have now. Oh, I wish I had that. I got 323, which is not bad, but – Better than 310, which is uppity, and way better than 818, which is the valley, which is like, kill yourself. Um, so some news from my life. I made a bet. I have a sports podcast with um, my friend Sam Tripoli and Jason Tebow. I mentioned here once in a while. It's called Punch Drunk Sports. And what we do is we just talk about lots of stuff. But uh, we do talk about half of it's all about sports. And Tripoli was on a couple weeks ago for the NASCARMO. I love making fun of his Armo roots. Um, so anyway, we do this thing we call Bag of Bets. What we do is, all three of us, me, Tebow, and Tripoli, if a bet comes up, like I'm saying about a wager itself, not the actual what we're betting on, but just the wager itself. I choose, when you make a bet, what I find is money doesn't really properly, like, it doesn't matter the same to each person. You know, if I'm making, if I'm making a $1,000 bet, I mean, that's a lot of money, but if I'm making a $1,000 bet with Bill Gates, he fucking finds that in a sock by accident. Shit that slipped out of his pants pocket, you know? So for him to lose that is nothing, and to get it, it's really nothing too. But to the other guy, it'd be life-changing. So it doesn't, it's not equal. Unless you make exactly the same amount of money and have the same amount of draw on your finances. So we thought, why not make bets that matter more? So we do this thing called bag of bets. And when we, just, when we find a wager that we're all willing to do, like, and we only make this, okay, so here's the deal. So we put a wager in there. One of the wagers was get your nipple pierced. If you lose the bet, get your nipple pierced. Put it in the bag. Put it in the bag of bets. And then what you do is you make another one. Um, what was another one we did? Oh, loser has to burn, has to wear a Lakers, Lakers jersey for an entire week or something like that. Loser has to wear a Hitler mustache for a month. Things like that. And what we do is we put them in the bag of bets, and then when we're both sure of something, of an outcome of something, like positive, I mean like positive, somebody goes, would you bag of bets? Like if I say, you know, the Redskins uh, or the Cowboys were an expansion team at one point, and everybody's like, no, no, they've always been in the NFC East. I was like, no, no, they had to be voted in. They were an expansion team, and I'm positive that I'm right. And if Tripoli, because he's always wrong, or Tebow, because he's always wrong too, if they go, no, no, I'm positive you're wrong, Ari, then we'll go bag of bets because we're both sure. Or if it's like Duke will win their first round tournament game. I mean, I'm 99% sure. So I go, if somebody's like, no way, I think they're going to lose. I'll go bag of bets and like to see how sure they are. And if they're not that sure, they'll go, mm, no, 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 not bag of bets. But if they are, they'll go, yes, bag of bets. So Tripoli and I had a bet. This is before the SEC tournament. Kentucky was undefeated. And we bet... He said they would continue to go undefeated, and I tricked him. He thought he, I meant just the tournament, but I tricked him. That's what Jews do. We trick people. I tricked him saying undefeated, not that they would lose in the tournament, the NCAA tournament, but they would go undefeated. And so Tripoli agreed to it. Had the bonus of the SEC tournament, but they didn't lose there, so I got fucked. They almost lost to Notre Dame. They almost lost to Notre Dame. Kentucky was so close. Came down to a last shot. That could have gone in. 
Notre Dame choked at the end. They didn't set up for any offensive plays. Whatever, whatever, whatever. The bet was this that we picked out of the bag of bets. Winner gets to take a funnel, like kind of the thing you pour gas into into your car, you know? I mean, not gas. Uh, or yeah, or gas, but um, oil. You know what a funnel is. Well, i got to explain it with car references. Um, takes a funnel and puts it on his butt, wide side on his butt, and then uh, farts into it. And loser has to put the thin side in his mouth and suck up said fart. <laughs> <laughs> Men are pigs. And what happened last night? What happened but Kentucky and Wisconsin fighting it? One of the greatest games I've ever seen. Back and forth and back and forth. Kentucky's dominant, Sam said. They got eight players that are going to the NBA, they, he said. But what did I say? Dude, you'll give me the field. You'll give me the field against, against Kentucky. I'm just saying they won't win. Who do you think won? I don't know. I don't care. I'm just saying Kentucky won't. And Jew Magic wins again because Wisconsin won the game. I can't wait to see him. Yogurt, beef jerky. People are sending me all this stuff to eat. Brussels sprouts. High pro Whey. W-H-E-Y. All this stuff. Side effects of Fiber One bars. Farts. Oats. Anything that can make my farts worse. And I'm going to fucking lay it in there. God, it's going to be fun. Next time I'm on Punch Drunk Sports. By the way, that show is every Tuesday. You can tune in live and call in and ask questions. It's a pretty fun show. Uh, they don't have to be sports related, but if they are, all the better. We get celebrity callers to call in. Anderson Silver calls in. George St. Pierre. Nick Diaz. People like that. Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, 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 Jameis Winston's father calls in a lot. I don't know who else. Lots of people. <sighs> Anyway, so let's start the episode, shall we? By the way, if you guys use my Amazon link at the bottom of the page, if you go to alreadythegreat.com, not only does it have all the music and some extra bonus features for each episode, but uh, you can also uh, use my Amazon link. Just click on that. It takes you to Amazon and do all your shopping as normal, and then that money will go towards me. And the guests too, I guess. You know, You know, Duncan pays people now. Duncan's paying for his podcast. Starting to turn a little bit. Starting to turn. People are starting to respect comedians and their time and their comedic value. Pay attention to me, UCB. Pay attention. Um, anyway, so shall we start the episode? There was something I was going to tell you. Let me give you... Fucking Diaz's dates real quick. He's going to be in San Diego this weekend, 9th and 10th at American Comedy Company. And he's going to be at the Houston Improv. Oh, April 17th to 18th. He should talk to Ali G. I mean, Ali Sadiq. He should talk to Ali Sadiq for sure. Wow, yeah. They should fucking do one together. If you didn't hear my Ali Sadiq episode, it's fucking great. But anyway, and then also he's going to be in Tempe, Arizona, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Las Vegas in the next month. So go to uh, joeydiaz.net. You can see those dates. Um, oh, all right, let's start, shall we? And I'll be in, well, I got really nothing coming up, you guys. I really got nothing coming up. Uh, that's because, I'm sorry to say, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, the show's been pushed back. 
I'm really sorry. I really, really am sorry. Man, I wanted to go. I had a dream, you guys. I had a dream of leaving my computer and my phone in the United States and being without them for four weeks. I had a goddamn dream, and a dream deferred is a dream denied. Some shit came up. So it's not canceled, but it's pushed back. We're looking at October. Kylie's trying to get it done for October. We're trying to fit it in my schedule. Uh, but maybe we had Perth. I don't know, maybe. But I do have a show in Bangkok on May 5th. But other than that, I mean, nothing. I'm going to enjoy my time off. I mean, I really, DC in July, that's like, that's like the next one. Damn. Fuck, I love it. I'm going to go on a golf trip, camping and mushrooms. I'll be in Montreal too, but who knows? And Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Oh, I'm going to love the time off. God damn. All right, let's start. Arisha Fierce Capitanic, episode 213. Oh, I forgot to tell you my amazing invention. Okay. I need a name for it. You got to help me with a name for it. I was at the Sacramento Punchline. And I didn't get anything to eat, and I was hungry, and I was going on in, I don't know how long, not very long, maybe 30 minutes. So I was like, hey, what do you got? You got anything fast? And it's, it's great. You can just go in there and get something fast. So French fries, sure, absolutely. And they bake them or fry them, whatever. But the kitchen's right next to the green room. And I mean, as soon as they were done, I saw him come out, and he goes, oh, you're here, because I kept looking for him. I get antsy when I'm hungry. And then uh, he was like, oh, here. And I brought him, like, right fresh, steaming, steaming. And I brought him to the green room. And the one thing I asked for in my writer, sometimes comedians and musicians get writers, R-I-D-E-R. And what that is, just like stuff you have to have for them. So they always talk about Van Halen or, or some group having only green M&Ms or something like that or no green M&Ms, whatever it was. But uh, I, I never had a writer. It's, no, I didn't see a point. People pretty much know what to do. But then Desiree, my, uh, my agent, um, she was like, Ari, ask. I mean, just for laughs in Montreal is asking, what do you want? And they always hook up the green room with tons of fucking candy and shit. But I was like, I, they hook it up. And she's like, well, what do you want? Anything special? I was like, oh, you know what? Instead of those wine gums they give, how about some gummy bears? And so she's like, okay. And so now it's on my writer. And it's just stuck there forever. Rogan and uh, Kevin James have one. They have the same like representation. So they each get each other mixed up. So Rogan gets his like, white wine in his place. He's like, what? I don't want white wine. Um... Anyway, I got gummy bears. Back to the story. Sometimes clubs do it, sometimes they don't. Sacramento Punchline did it. So I take these fries right to the groom, and they're steaming, and I see the gummy bears. I see the open thing of gummy bears. And you don't have to ask if I was on anything, because you know the answer. And I see these gummy bears, and I poured some out over the french fries, just like a little bit, just to see. And I tried one. It like melted pretty, pretty quickly, and I tried one. And it was good. And then I just poured them all over. And I, I buried them inside with like french fries on top and underneath. So they cook. And they melted. They got all melty and gooey. And when you pick it up, when you pick the french fry up and it's all salted, when you pick it up, it like the string comes out like fresh pizza. And it's so good. It's so fucking good. You can put them in, you can put them in ketchup. It doesn't matter. It's still good. The salty and the sweet... They go so well together. Now, I don't know. There's still some stuff that has to be worked out. I use the Haribor Gold Bears. I'm sure other gummy bears would work. You probably can't get too big because it's got to melt all the way through. So the smaller, the better. I don't have a name for it. Gummy fries. 
I, I don't know. I'm open to suggestions. You guys, there are things that I don't want credit for that I just want to be in the world. So whatever names you can think of to make that, whatever. if you run a fucking business and want to use them, if you make French fries, all you need is gummy bears. You don't need that much more. You don't even know that much more. You're telling me when you watch a football game, when you're out at a sports bar and you're watching a football game, and you get you get some wings, sure. You you're gonna tell me that you wouldn't even try the gummy fries? You see that in a menu and you're looking, gummy fries, what? What? And you ask your buddy Tom Tom, what's what's gummy fries? And like, oh yeah, they serve gummy fries here. I'm like, what? What is that? You know what? It's fucking gummy bears aren't fries, bro. Tom, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. By the way, I'm not doing an impression of anyone. Um, you're telling me you wouldn't get that? You're telling me not once? You go watch the Cowboys 16 weeks at a sports bar and you wouldn't fucking get that once? You'd be a coward. You'd be a coward or a liar. You guys, maybe gummy fries, and that's not a bad idea. Grise, maybe? Go, I don't know. It needs work. It needs help. It needs help. Maybe cherry would be good or strawberry. Maybe there's certain flavors. Who knows? We're at the precipice of a new generation of French fries. But they got to be fresh. You got to make them super hot because if they don't melt, you're fucked. If they don't melt, you just got gummy bears on top of French fries. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what are we, immigrants? You need melted. So that's my innovation. If you guys have any tweaks, fucking get out there and make them. And in terms of like giving away information, here, here's one, an invention. No, I'll wait one more week. I'm waiting for Justin to fucking see if he can like get this going as a business. But if not, the next week or the week after, I'm putting it out there for inventors and coders. Do it yourself. God, it's so fun in New York. Let's start the episode, you guys. Joey Diaz, how can we keep him waiting? Ari Shafir Skeptatank. You know, I should have named this something like Second Chances, but I'm, I'm so into the idea of naming it Two Years a Slave. I was set on it beforehand, but it really is about Second Chances. And you guys, honestly, go watch that story. <sighs> um, Ari Shafir's Captain Tank, episode two. And by the way, in New York, I'll be at the stand all the time, the cellar, stand up in New York a little. Um, those are the places to come see me. Pretty much on the stand, like... Five nights a week. Uh, Captain Day number two and three. Two years of slave with Joey Diaz. And we're off. You heard it here first. <laughs> That's a good idea. You should do that. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> um, Joey Diaz, it's so nice out here, man. It's fucking beautiful. Mm. Sun's shining. This is a Saturday here. That yeah. And they put empties out because a lot of people park over here. It empties the out on Saturday? Why? Look at the streets. You park yeah. right in front of the house. How come? I thought Saturday would be busier. 
Nice. That's just Hollywood? Just Yeah, North Hollywood. I'm saying that's just Hollywood where Saturday gets busier? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Just Hollywood. Yeah, This all this dies down. <sighs> Usually Saturdays I take her, I take the baby swimming. Yeah. I have her in the morning. My wife goes to yoga. Where do you take her swimming? To YMCA. Wait, yeah. hold on. <laughs> Does she wear the swim the, the, the vest? Whole fucking thing. Is it the float vest? The whole, no, no. <laughs> she swims. She's been swimming since she was six months old. What? I saw a thing on World News Tonight, uh, a professor in Boston who had his twins swimming at 11 months, going underwater and waving at the camera. Really? So I showed my wife, and I and as soon as we had the baby, I talked to my wife. My wife was in anyway. So my wife goes in the pool with him. My wife doesn't swim. So it's like a, a, tes- a tes- test of strength for my <laughs> wife also. The baby's got to keep her up. So they go in there, and then she took swimming classes for like a year. So she's like the kid on the Nirvana cover? Yeah. Now my my daughter goes in there in the tube, and she just fucking goes nuts. Wow. But I got to take her next week, because today my wife's like, she was asking for you, because she saw you going into the Y with her. I, I walked into the Y, pretty much. I and get then the stroller, her and I walk her down at the Y, and I met my wife. My wife takes in the pool. I go into the weightlifting room. I do the elliptical and all, and then I meet him in an hour. Epileptical? Yeah, epileptical. And then we go, <laughs> uh, we went to eat lunch at a... Uh, Jersey Mike's. Dude, in, um, in uh, China, in the back of the cabs, they have little, you know, the videos to play. And it's, they show all these eight, these Chinese people throwing their baby in the water. And you see the baby's point of view. They all know how to hold their breath. Little babies. How do they know how to do that? It's, not, it's instinctively. It's organic. That's what you're going to do. That's what you want, you know. But she gets out of the pool now and jumps in. I mean... She says, one, two, three, ready. I mean, it's pretty intense. She's into it. Wow. She's a really good swimmer. And you know, that's one of the three things you're supposed to teach your child by Jewish law. Like every supposed to, everyone's supposed to teach your child is, is, is about uh, Torah or something. I forget the other two. Uh, how to find a job and how to swim. That's really like, Why how to swim? There's books I just, about it. I just did it organic. I just knew. I just knew that. I, did, I almost drowned in Coney Island. Did you really? Yeah, when I was like six. So I was like, I, I don't <laughs> want to happen to anybody. <laughs> Somebody pushed you off the pier? No, I went out in the ocean. I kept going farther and farther. And I got caught by like one of those mistletoes. Whatever Riptides. Under, under the <laughs> Undertoes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was it after that. And then I learned how to swim. You couldn't get back in? Uh, it took me a while. Wow. It was the ocean. Worried. The ocean's completely different than a pool, and then I jumped back in a pool, and you know I went swimming with like kid groups in a pool, like uh, in the summertime, and then I don't know the fear went away. But as I got older, I, I got into swimming like twice in my life. I really, really got into it. Where yeah, I would do it again now, but it's just too far. The program it's in Pasadena by the uh, Rose Bowl. There they have a swimming program for men and kids, and you go five days a week, and there's a coach who. Really? Blows a whistle and makes you do workouts, and it gets you in fucking oh, that's cool. tip-top shape. But Pasadena is 40 minutes with traffic in the morning. Like There's people there at 6 in the morning. From here, Pasadena? Yeah, at 6 oh. in the morning, 7 in the morning. Pretty interesting stuff. Does she, like, go for the water? Does she do the thing where the yeah, dogs do where yeah, they start swimming and yeah. people come over? If me and my wife stand in the water, she'll go from one to the Back other. Back and forth. Yeah, she's pretty good, man. Do you get, like, a... I don't know, like excited by the new trick she does, you know, like when they start swimming or start standing or start talking. It's like a living reality show. You just watch her. Like all you got to do is watch her and you see different things and it expands. Like I just put her in daycare three weeks ago. 
Okay. Took it to Alders Jiu Jitsu, Tenth Planet, Ten Eyes. <laughs> what do you mean? She rolled? No, uh, there's a Mommy and Me program on Saturdays. What? For kids, little kids at Alders on Van Nuys. To take jits? To take jujitsu with your parent or whatever. And you go there early. Oh, wow. And I took her there one Saturday. I was home and I said, come on, let's take her around. My wife's like, what? I go, watch. And I took her up there and I could see how she was starting to not mingle with kids. Uh, but the energy of the other kids got her fucking riled up. And next thing you know, she was on the floor rolling and... Not like rolling like a like an just adult, mimicking them? just mimicking them and doing hip slides and hip escapes, and she was loving it. I go, she uh, walks right, yeah, they she's walking been walking. Okay. She's eleven months old, and I came home and I told my wife that was living proof that she needs to be in daycare. Why? Like because was, you get to be around other kids. Yeah, like the social. She's ready. She yeah. was ready. She was just about to turn two. So we went around and we found. Uh, I went to a couple places and I found one I really liked and. Fucking, she took to it like nothing. She doesn't cry or nothing. We just walk into the gate. She's like, later. Really? She goes in and she has little friends. And uh, Does she have favorites? Uh, nah, not yet. Okay. What, what do you mean? The kids at school? Yeah. No, not yet. This is the third week. And it's just a constant play, but they have little rules. They got to put their toys away. They got to do this. They got to do that. Yeah. They got to stand against the wall and get counted, you know. And, uh. This week, my wife called me. She goes, well, when I picked her up today, she cried. She didn't want to come home. She wanted to stay. Oh, that's cool. So that's... It's it, a good sign, right? It's a great sign. So now we got him in the afternoon until 3. She Do goes, you get worried all the time if they're making the right progress? So how long is she? She's two years old. She's two. Two years two. a slave. Two years a slave. <laughs> yeah. You, uh... Do you get worried? Do you look at what their progress is supposed to be? Like when they're supposed to walk, when they're supposed to talk, when they're supposed to like, no, eat solid food? No, because every child is different. You right. Know? Like my wife, about a year ago, she's like, oh, she's not talking. She's not supposed to be fucking talking. She'll pick up words of mommy and daddy, but it, it takes a couple years for them. Now she's fucking counting. She's off that little jolt with other kids at school. Like yeah. My wife called me the other night before I got on stage. She's like, she just counted to 20 by herself. Really? In the bathtub. And she was never able to before? She would count to 11 or 12. You know, little things. But listen, man, I came here. I didn't speak a fucking... Can you imagine that, Ari? I didn't speak the language, man. I learned how to speak English watching TV. Yeah. Different. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't go to daycare. So I was probably... My daycare was my mother's bar, probably. That was my fucking daycare. You I know? knew kids in Israel that learned how to talk English from TV. Yeah, they, TV. They were that's, fluent. They were seven. How, yeah, the Brady Bunch and the Dick Van Dyke Show. Where Where is this from? Cuba? No, this is one. I, once I got to New York City, okay. we lived on uh, 89th Street, Riverside Drive. Did you guys speak English when you when you came? My mother spoke broken. Like I remember my mom speaking broken English since I was a child. And then her English never fucking improved. Never mine got better. Did. No, mine did. Yeah, I know. Those Cubans learned enough English for them just to get by. But in their world, they never spoke the language, so they always knew what you were saying. They always played stupid like possum. Oh. So she always played like, I don't know what they're saying, but she knew what the fuck they were saying. <laughs> she reacted when she had to? Yeah. You know, like she knew what the fuck they were saying. Your she, mom was a ball buster. That's how you are. You have to, you know. Jeez. You take the story, you know, you play like you don't know what they're talking about, but you really do. You know, she <laughs> ran a business. So she had to deal with all the alcohol and the, and the board and all those people, you know, licensing and shit. So she knew enough Spanish to get by that, you know. To get by that, yeah. 
Mitzi said this to uh, to what's it called once they were got into a car accident when she was there, and um, and Marcus had to go out and say like they came back goes they don't speak they just speak Spanish they don't speak English. She goes get their insurance and she comes back Mitzi they don't speak English. She goes tell them we're calling the cops then see if they speak English. <laughs> and they spoke English. I told you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how much your sleep like now? How much what? What's your sleep like? Are you getting any? How is, how is it with a two-year-old as opposed to a one-year-old? Not a, and a fucking problem, never. What do you mean, not a problem, never? never. In the 26 months that little girl's been yeah. on the earth, she's never given us a problem. I she doesn't wake up in the night? Two nights. She got up, and me and the wife got up and said, fuck it, we're up. Let's drink coffee and eat a donut or something. <laughs> Watch TV. Like, But no, it was never. she was never really colicky. I think every, I don't even hear her some nights. My wife will get up. But mostly, like, let's say when I get home from doing comedy at midnight, yeah. I'll, I'll sit on the couch and de- decompress a little bit, and I'll hear her in there. My wife doesn't get up immediately. Sometimes she just gets up, cries, reaches for a bottle. And it goes back to sleep. It goes back to sleep on her own. She's been a very good baby. That's ever. lucky, huh? Yeah. Well, I hear horror stories about people like they wake up three times a night or something. Uh, in the beginning, you got to wake up every two hours to feed them, but that's, that has nothing to do with me. That's just your wife. My wife has to give the tit. I can't help her, you know? You can't. Do you act like, you're like, I wish I could help you, but yeah, it's nothing no, I can do. Nah. Listen, man, if, if you've been married and stuff, when it comes to the bottle, you could wake up and help out. Yeah. But sometimes, you know what? They just want their mom. So the moms are going to wake up anyway and get it, you know? Yeah. Get up anyway, so. Oh, right. They want but the connection. Yeah, but she was never a problem. So we lucked out there. I'm, I'm, my sleep is fucked up on my own. Yeah. So can you still go? Because are you still going to sleep at like 10 p.m., waking up at 5 a.m.? If, uh, if I have the opportunity, fuck yeah, Ari. Ari, we're not the people we were when we first moved to No, LA. that's true. And, you know, when, you th- when you're 20 and 30... You know, I was out seven nights a week doing comedy. Yeah. From the time I was, uh, from 1995 to 2005, I was probably out six nights a week on average. That's, that's, that is not an exaggeration. Yeah. If you're thinking of getting into comedy. Yeah, six nights a week on average. When I committed to right. comedy, when I committed to comedy, in ni- I started comedy in 91. I don't want you to get me wrong. Yeah. But in 93, a switch went off in New York. I had a plan. I, I, it's like uh, it was two years of me thinking about comedy. I was dabbling in it. Yeah. And I finally said, you know what? If I'm going to do this, this is how I have to do it. Push. Get into this it. This is the a mental attitude I'm going to need. Yeah. From what the interview that I had with people at different comedy clubs and yeah. all the comics. This is what needs to be done. So Jordy told me too. This is you can't do these two times a week. Man. Yeah. This is what needs to be done. No, no. But it's like your whole attitude has yeah. to change. You have to consolidate your bills. You know, if you live in a four-bedroom, knock that shit down. Oh, right. To one bedroom if you got three cars. Because you're going to be making no money. Yeah, you're this not going to make any doing. money. So it took me two years to mentally prepare for this before I knew that it was going to be. And it was weird because at my fourth year of comedy, I was going through probably the toughest time in my life. With what? I was at war with my ex-wife. Your ex, yeah. With the baby. The baby was four or three at the four. And it was one of the toughest times of my life. And the only way I overcame it was the stage. Like those two hours at night when I was with my friends, that's when I forgot about everything. I heard Fleischer say that. When I'm on stage, it's the only time I don't feel the pain. That's it. It was the only time when I wasn't angry. 
It was the only time when I kept my anger out of stand-up, you know. But those that year of that anger of getting on stage to f- got me addicted to it. And that addiction got me better. It's yeah. like shooting coke. It's like doing anything. You're going to get better at it. Yeah. So I got better at it. And in 95, when I packed my car and took off, I knew the road ahead of me. I remember first meeting Rogan for the first time. And somebody saying he was on news radio. I thought that he was on a radio show. Like, I was oblivious to television at that yeah, time. Yeah, you get to become like, oh, I don't know, what, what is that I show? Was, like, it's on for three years. I, like, was, oh, I have out. become, that's when you know you're on the right path, when you discommunicate yourself with the news. Because, you know, you're doing comedy till 2 or 3 in the morning. That means you're getting up and you're, and you're hitting it hard. I, I get all my news from comics on stage. Like, I remember hearing about Kaylee Anthony from Tripoli doing a joke about her. All these things, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Malaysian planes going down. I get that all from comics. So yeah, it was uh, that was how from ninety. Who's that lady? She's my landlord. Oh really? From ninety five to this is honest to God. From ninety five, yeah, to about two thousand one. Like I caught the Sopranos second season. Like it took a, a year and a half of people going. Have you seen the Sopranos? It's about the mafia. Great. Who cares? Like that's when you know there was no outside forces i knew that my nights were committed yeah to i remember the first time i watched tv was when i read for nypd blue so you had to watch it to see what it was i had to watch to see what it was (laughs) wow and it was when jimmy smith was dying and all that that's when i did nypd blue when i first moved to nypd blue was huge so i auditioned for it all the time and i ate shit so one of the times I auditioned for it before I did end up booking it, I watched NYPD Blue. And I remember it was a Tuesday night, and it was Afro night at the store, Black yes. night at the store with Guy Tory. So usually on those nights was your night off. You took that night off. Like you would call up and go, Mitzi, let me get Monday through Sunday. And you prayed you didn't get Tuesday. <coughs> but they always gave you Tuesday. And I remember like yeah. calling going, hold on, I got to watch Jimmy Smith die. And I got to the store and did my spot. That was the first time I'd probably watched Prime. You had to tune in. You couldn't even get on the internet or anything. No. You'd actually, like, stay home and watch it. Wow. Nine o'clock on Tuesday. So that was the... Bless you. (laughs) That was the path. Thank you. That was my path of comedy. Like, I gave up television, and I gave up, like, uh, social. I didn't know what was going on. I always found out a day later or an hour later, hey, turn on your TV or... Did you hear what happened? This guy got shot. I had no fucking idea because I had discommunicated myself. Yeah. You know, I was so I was so in debt credit-wise when I got into comedy that I discommunicated myself. Like, there was no phone numbers on me. <laughs> so people couldn't find you? People. I knew that once I went under, I had to go under. So I went under and I got involved in comedy. So that's really weird. I did not know for the first six months of my relationship with Rogan, which was, hey, how you doing? Good spot. That was funny. At the store, I would say, where are you coming from? And he, and then little by little, somebody goes, no, he's on a TV show on NBC. Because he would say, I just came back, we had a rehearse. Or, Dude, I love not knowing. Yeah. I love when somebody's like, I've been on a show for three years. I'm like, oh, cool, man. Congratulations. <laughs> like, you didn't know? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I see commercials. Yeah, I felt really bad yesterday. I saw Steve Byrne at the store last week, and I gave him a hug. And I go, when do you start taping? Yeah. He was like, my show got oh, canceled. Yeah, I heard. 
had a good run, though. It was like three years. Yeah, and I felt really guilty, but I called him later on and apologized. And uh, You never really know. Even now, I know a little bit about TV. I always catch it a year too, too late, you know, because even now, the nights that you're not on stage, you're at least trying to write a joke or... So you, you don't yeah, want to get doing really something, involved. Doing some living. Yeah, just, you really don't want to get involved. I download the stuff, and then I watch it later. Whenever, I, you know, at whatever time. Just the shows I want, I hear about. Better Call Saul, I started watching. How is it? It's pretty good. It's got the, sort of the same, like, shot sort of the same way as, as uh, you know, it's got the same look as Breaking Bad. It's pretty cool. I haven't watched it. My wife watches everything on Netflix and whatever. No, uh... Do you got a, uh... When you feed her, do you start eating more? Do you get the urge to eat more? No, we all eat together as a family. She sits down. And oh, really? And- but doesn't she eat like five, six times a day? Who does? The kid? Yeah, but it's a meal here. Like, it's a half a cheeseburger. Do you eat? I'm sorry, I'm saying what I no, would do. No, if no. I was feeding her all the time, I'd be eating no, too. No, my wife feeds her a lot. You know, I help out, but no, 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 no. Like when Andrew started making the cookies, <laughs> she started getting fat. No, <laughs> it's no. like, you're on the cookies, you're going to start eating them. No, no, they shit at the house. I don't touch it. Really? The only stuff for her is I touch with the pirate's booty. What is that? Oh, these little cheese puffs. Oh, the puffs. Oh, my God. You get home at 12 o'clock, you're stoned to the gills. I'm eating those pirate booties. I found myself you one night in the kitchen. In what? I found myself one night in the middle of the kitchen on those stars of death. Yeah. And some reefer after a podcast, like we went out and ate and did comedy or something. And I come home and I found myself stuffing those things in my face. They were falling out of my mouth. The next morning I told my wife, you can't get those no more. <laughs> Puffs. Oh Dude, the God. stars of death. Uh, they bear, in South by Southwest. They, I loved it. Jay, it hit him six hours later while he had to host his show. I mean, he took him at like one. And they kicked in about 637. Oh, yeah, slow death. Mine kicked in before we were doing interviews from 12 to 2. Mine kicked in at twelve forty. Yeah, they kick in right away from me. Him just forever ago, and then and then uh, Duncan's girlfriend was there. She split it. I was like, "Why don't you split this with your friend?" And they both got gone. The the friend started throwing up. Classic. <laughs> Once they throw up, I love it. I take a hole. What are you talking about? You made me eat two that time. <laughs> Once they throw up, you know you've done your job. Did you throw up that night? No, I didn't. No, no, no. They, they're mine. Fucking take the label off, motherfucker. Oh, that was a perfect trick. I knew it was a little tilted. Something in my head was like, hold on. Why is and you the label said it. tilted? You even said, let me see the label. And I was like, oh, no. And I showed you the label. And what happened was uh, Anarchy Edibles has hard candy. Yeah. So they put five hard candies in an envelope and it says 150 milligrams so I did the math what's that five candies it's 25 30 each 30 each right yeah. so when I, the stars are 125 three stars is 375 so I'm sitting at the weed store I go this motherfucker he's gonna ask me to see the label <laughs> right this is how fucking it, I always think of the next you're move you're such a devious fuck face I go, what the f- I go this fucking guy's a slick Jew he's gonna ask me to see the label so I bought a five pack the label said 150, and I bought two three-packs of the stars. I popped the star when I came home. I opened up the hard candies. I emptied them, and I put the five stars in the hard candy thing so you would see them as the five, label. Five, four, one, two. You didn't read close enough that they weren't. Uh, you just read the milligrams. You didn't read the fine print. You would have gone, oh, <laughs> this says hard candies. <laughs> it ain't hard. It's the opposite of hard. You motherfucker. <laughs> 
But you Lee, made me two of them. Oh, please. I gave one to Lee. Lee's been, Lee's lived for a Jesus. month thinking there were 25 milligrams going 25? I was like, yeah, I'll take another one. I'm, only, I'm pretty high, but I'll he, take another one. He kept saying to me, I'm telling you, these don't feel like 25. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then I was taking the Chiba Chews. Yeah. I'd buy a 180, and I'd buy a 70 milligram. I eat. I eat this. One eighty. Yeah, they have decas. Decas. There's hundred. I thought. One eighty. One eighty. And okay. then there's a seventy milligram sativa. Oh, yeah. I eat the sativa, whatever the flavor is. I take the, wrapper, the orange. Yeah, I take the wrapper off the seventy. I take the wrapper off the one eighty <laughs> and I put it on the one eighty. And I go to the thing and I open it. It's already open. By the time I take it out of the bag, it's halfway open. So that's all you see is the orange <laughs> label. And you're like, oh, let me have some. Yeah, let me get half. Yeah. So, Lee, I would squish it because if you break it, you could squish it. And I would <laughs> to squish it, it to even smaller. smaller. And I go, here, yeah, it's 35 milligrams. And it was really 120. <laughs> <laughs> he got so high. Oh, my God. Rogan was laughing about that. He was like, dude, he gets that guy so high. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Lee loves it. Yesterday, I talked him into dosing his girlfriend, and the fucker did. I go, give her a time. I go, you know, because he was nervous that he got high in the afternoon, which I blamed him. Yeah. He was about to see the girlfriend, but uh, uh, I go, just dose her. Give her a little dose her. Give her a little piece. He's like, no, I can't. She's going to be an attorney. I go, that's in June. It's fucking April. It's going to be out of every system she's got. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we took a little... Uh, star, I called him later. He's like, I dosed her, man. He, he dosed <laughs> Did he really? Her. Yeah, she didn't get off. They were going to the gym. He got off. He ate another star with him. He's as tough as nails, that little now fucking Now you've dude. trained him. That little dude, I love him with now all you've my heart, him. man. He's as tough as fucking nails. Dude, he those stars, me, it made them make you so laughy, too. They make you laughy. Dude, me and Jay did those interviews. It was some junket. We had to go from thing to thing to thing. We did like three together. And we had a great time. Great time. You get hot God, on we stage. started laughing. What he would say, oh, yeah. And then I had him later oh, when Jeff God. Ross is on stage. He does those speed roasts. He calls people up and yeah. he roasts them live. Yeah, yeah. And I was up there with him. And every time he said something, I fucking doubled over. Darn it. And when you say something on stage that's funny and yeah. you're saying it, you're going to stop the show. <laughs> I've had to stop the show and just laugh. Because I said something on that star that made me laugh so fucking You take hard. those things before you go on stage? Two of them. To loosen what? me up. What? Just to loosen me up. Oh, my bit. God. I go on stage tight and the people feel it. Wow. I go, yeah, Lee brought me some in Brea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, take them before. This one's... I'm like, no, nothing before. I just smoked before. Oh, no, no. You take one of those things at six. Let's say you got to go on stage. On a Let's, weekend? I'm on the road. Let's say I'm on the road. Yeah. I always bring six or seven or eight stars with me because I pop two for the night. Yeah. So by the first show, I'm a little loose. Right. But for the second show... Gone. Just a killer. I'm just loose and gone. And God knows what's coming gonna come out of my mouth. I might tell him how to burn a building sometimes. What? Oh my God! I tell him all criminal endeavors. I teach him how to do criminal shit. Like I don't, wow. Oh my God! I get so high for the second show on Fridays and Saturdays. I'm loose, you know. I don't want to be tied up there because in my, I get in my head and I start thinking about these people paid to see me. I yeah. can't bomb just to eliminate all that. I just ate two stars. I let the pieces fall where they may. Fall where they may. And they the do. Two stars. Oh, fuck yeah. Jesus and Christ, people, bro. And whatever people bring. You just eat those too? Yeah, fuck yeah. There was one time where we were all in a car. Rogan was driving. You were in the front seat. Me and Redman in the back, I think. Me and Summer were in the back. Could have been Duncan too. But these kids, these 18-year-olds, were walking by the front of the car. They're wearing like those Joe Rogan shirts. Like, oh, look, they're going to the show. 
and they got right past to the passenger side where you were. That was the sidewalk, and you're like honk honk. And Rogan Honk, they turned, they saw you, like, oh my gosh, Joey Diaz. I like, look, we're eating edibles. He's like, are you, are you eating any? And he's like, you were like, not if I don't have any. And they're like, here, you just grabbed them and shoved them in your mouth. Fuck yeah. Let's <laughs> we drove off. We drove off. <laughs> <laughs> they lost their minds. They lost their minds. <laughs> oh my God. In, in one of the cities, Indianapolis, somebody brought me mushrooms. That was so good, and he was such a professional. He grew them. He he really? put them in one fifty one rum. He what? cured them into little pellets. Oh, that's what we we ate for three weeks in a row. Me and Lee ate them. Last week, Lee Cured-o. ate a half that's a mushroom, yeah. a half of those gummies or manos, and a half a star. We did a tri- that's, that's the cocktail for you guys. We did a triple threat last Monday, where it's hash. Stars because the the hash is in the Los Gumis. Yeah, the hash, and we did a half of them. We were blessed. Dude, this kid has not stopped you at all. No, from doing any of that stuff. No, he's tremendous. He's going to go deep. No, I'm saying your kid has not stopped you at all from doing any of that stuff. No. You haven't slowed down at all. Well, I mean, look, you've already I'm, given up coke before, way before. Everything. All yeah, my life is done. But like, I mean, I would have thought you had this. My friends, my friends that I know that I visited a few weeks ago, they were the same thing. They'll do like, yeah, we don't take a cap around. As long as nothing. I don't drive her anywhere. Right. I don't drive. It's not like I would drive. We we walk her to the school. Yeah. It's not like I'm operating heavy machinery when I'm around her. At night, I'm not around her. I'm not around her at night. When I get blasted, she's in bed. Oh right. What time she go to sleep? Seven thirty-eight. Dude, you you're nonstop with those edibles. Remember when you quit smoking? Everybody booed at the improv. (laughs) <laughs> I got on stage. I'm like, guys, he still smokes a hash pen and he does edibles. <laughs> he just literally only stops smoking marijuana. Yeah. It's not like he's done. No, I love it. I love smoking in the morning. So you get those edibles and you go on stage with them. Fuck yeah, two of them. You must be so loose. Do you get like over the the, the hump oh, and then start to coast? No, I don't coast till I get back to the room. Wow. Yeah, because once you hit... You're still on your way up when you go on stage? Yeah. If you take them at six o'clock after dinner, after working out... Yeah. I usually take a half a star before I go downstairs to work out about 4.30. If you go on stage on mushrooms? Going. No. Once. At the comp. Twice. Both at the comedy store. One night the LOR was purple. <laughs> I couldn't imagine living the other life I had with this baby at the house. What life? I wouldn't have never had the baby. Criminal when I, life. When I, first had, when I had my first child, Jacqueline, I was a double agent. And I could feel the difference... That's the biggest difference I felt since I became a dad this agent? time. I was living a life of fucking uh, a pirate. <laughs> yeah, you know these TV shows that you see, The Sopranos. You're out killing somebody, and then you come home to your kids. Bring them a cookie. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go to sleep, and uh, I'm gonna wake up the next morning like somebody isn't gonna knock on my door. I know when I when I had Jackie, I knew that anybody can knock on my door at any time. I mean, the last six months I had Jackie. I was a 24-7 scallion. I was past being a fucking pirate. Really? I was a scallion. I just went into places and... Rock with scallion? Her, with her. With the kid? On Wednesdays. I used to be so broke. All the money I made at the sports betting service went to cocaine yeah. and my rent. And my daily take came Two from... Uh, shoplifting. Really? In 94, I was a professional... Your Christmas game is one of the greatest could, ever. That I could go to manufa- I could go to these companies and go, I've been robbing you for $200,000 a year. This is what you need to do. 
Like, I even thought of doing that. Like, really? Yeah, you people just... And you, the employees you hire are worthless, and they don't see it. And I'm walking into a store, picking up a $300 blanket, and walking to the customer service and saying, Ari gave me this for Christmas. I lost a receipt. I need some money back. Yeah, you should do that for, for companies. Or then at well, least. now you can't do it because they have cameras, and they already know the scam. It's 20, 30 years old. This is, you know, this is how new. I made a living. I remember going to Toys R Us with her. I bought this. I don't have the receipt. Can you please give me, it's brand new. Please give me the money back for it. No, I have double. What's the process? Well, we could either give you cash, or we could send you a check in the mail, or we could give you cash credit for another thing. And I would, I'm an actor, man. Well, I'm going on vacation, so the check would sit there. Why don't we? Why don't you give me a jacket and give me the balance, or whatever? And they go, okay. And I, I remember Toys R Us one Christmas. I walked in there with not a dime and walked out of there with. Seventeen hundred dollars in Jeffrey bucks, a bicycle, what? A fucking computer, kids' computer. It was, it was amazing. Jeez Louise, that's okay. It's still going. I was a complete, and that's why that relationship ended. That's why you know what happened. I don't know. It's at twenty nine. I guess we've been going. What time is it? It's early. What? Why does it throw me off? 3.45? Why did I feel like it started over? Well, whatever it did. What the fuck? You didn't tune this thing? I'm in tune. Yeah, I got 10 hours left. All right. Should be okay. We didn't start at 3.15, did we? Oh, we talked out here for a while. Yeah. You got me high, man. Yeah. That, that hash was fucking My sense good. of time is all off. Oh, that hash was fucking tremendous. I told you, that's presidential. That's presidential? Yeah, you got it around the corner. Oh. <clears throat> when you leave here, we'll take a ride over there. Okay. I'm leaving in four days. Well, before, if you want to go today. <sighs> I have enough at the house right now that I got to get, get through. Get a nice chunk of hash with this. This is good hash. Really? I was a complete different person when I had Jackie. Yeah? I think about that every day. I think about the differences in my life. I, 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 I know why I lost that child. Like, I know why. The, what you did wrong to, like, lose yeah, it? Yeah, you know what you did wrong. Like, now like I, I've been calling. I've been calling the last six weeks every Tuesday. The mother called me back and said she was going to call me, but she's been busy. She doesn't want to call. It's not the kid as much as the mother right. hasn't told her. So i got to hire a private investigator now and go the other way. I mean, she even changed her name because I hired the private investigator one time about three, four weeks ago. What? He called me back the next day and said, hey, man, they really have her hidden because she's got three other kids with this guy. Your daughter? My wife. And it's uh, wide open. Uh, uh. My ex-wife. He goes, but they also have your daughter. They changed her name big time. I go, I know. They changed it twice. Wow, they changed a kid's name. Yeah. So I know the differences. I don't know. I could have never do what I'm doing now addicted. Like, yeah. I have more respect for the comedy. I have more respect for my house. I have more respect for myself. I have little, you know, that's that's the real fucking deal. Like, I'm really happy I got off the coke. Yeah? How hard was it? Not hard at all. You were done in your head, you think, or yeah, what? Yeah, I was done in my head. I knew that it had to end, man. I knew that the fucking... One way or the other. End. And look at the avenues it opened. It opened a complete different life for me. Because I know there's a complete different life out there. I was living my life 20%. And it just had to do with drugs and how to get them. Yeah. Comedy was like, I could do comedy fucking standing on my head. I could go there and do a story or tell it. 
But once you get in with comedy, you really don't have to work that much at it. You've got your spots. Call in for the month but of the week. You do have to work that much. I know, but I'm saying just, to, just do. to do it. This is what I've learned the last five years that you have to work so hard at comedy every day. I see Arsenio still gets on stage. Yeah. He still, and he gets on stage with little fucking notes. What's Arsenio been in this business? 30 fucking years? He Probably. still gets on stage with notes. That means that you're paying attention. Yeah. Every great comic that has floundered and gone into a different avenue, whether it's TV or has always known that the end-all, be-all, the glue in this whole fucking thing is when we go to the corner of the Nick's Pizza and get on stage and do eight minutes. And it doesn't really matter whether it's Nick's Pizza Comedy Store. It doesn't really matter. It's ten people no matter what. That's all I need. To keep my dream alive is 10 people, right? Eight people. We've done comedy in front of what? Six people at the store at 1130, quarter yeah. to 12. Yeah. So, Ari, stop with the fucking haircuts. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, exactly. That's all. You get on stage, six people, you're fine. Six people, you're totally fine. You're like, I'll do it. I watched last night, late night for a while. And it's like, you know, there's probably 10 in there, spread out, two on one side, three in the back, two on the right, five comics in the back. That's you learn to become a comic. Man. Yeah, you learn how to talk like yourself that and way. It's a culture shock because as a comedian, you have these dreams that you're going to go to L.A. and get on stage and there's going to be 200 fucking people. And all of a sudden, the reality is you're down there on a Wednesday at 1.15 and there's 18 people and they've already heard every joke in your mind. Uh-huh. And you feel defeated and that's the best time to go on stage. That's when you're you going to be like, with the best. So yeah. I was at the store today. You ever notice you can't do that? You can't They'll do tune that. out. No, I won't fucking do it. Hey, what are you guys up to? Freddie used to do that really good. You do it really good. Just be yourself. Freddie used to go up there like, hey, what's up? Go light a cigarette and be like, fucking day I had. What did you do today, bro? Just like cash like that. Oh, really? Cool. Fuck, it's hot though, huh? You guys like the heat like this? I don't know. <laughs> he wouldn't even get started for five minutes. Just and talk. then he would creep up on you. Creep right? up yeah, on yeah, you. And then you start do doing well. And then you start doing your material, and then yeah. you suck them in. Yeah. But if you go up there with a grandioso presentation, they're like, ah, oh, this fucking guy. And yeah. You're done for 18 minutes. It's fake. But no, that's what it taught me. That's what that, that definitely, uh, the belly room taught me to just speak and not worry about laughter. Yeah. And the comedy store late night, just speak. Don't worry about the laughter. You know, you're not going to go up Don't there and worry slay. About it. Just go up there and get your word. You get a couple right. chuckles, it's a win. It's a win. And sometimes... You got to reset your bar. When you put your, sure. your heart into it, it becomes more than a fucking chuckle. It becomes you got them. And yeah. they, they know what's going on. They're like, this motherfucker just took over an eight-man room by himself. Oh, my God. They start looking around. They hear other laughter. A couple of waitresses come in. A couple of comics come in. Now you got 18, 19 people. And it's one thirty in the morning. You did your spot for the night, you know? You put some energy into a dead room. Into a dead fucking room. You don't get training like that on the road. Groundlings can't teach you that. Nobody could teach you that gift. That's a gift that only the comedy store people have because the Laugh Factory closes at fucking 11 and the Improv closes at fucking 12. You know, it's like there's comedy in New York City from 8 to 12. Not to throw me off. The final piece I saw to launch me into comedyism that got my mind from an open micer to somebody who was going to go for this was when I went to the yeah, old triple N on 30th street and fucking hell's kitchen yeah in 94 you I bought backstage and you went through the open mic thing in the city and that's where it wasn't backstage my, me was LA weekly and it was just 
it was ridiculous. But there was an open mic that started from 12 to 4, 12 midnight to 4 in the morning. I yelled triple in. And every fucking night, I'd be driving the limo. Okay. And I'd say, oh, my God, I have to... Uh, Go to the old Triple N. The old Triple N for me was like when I first started jiu-jitsu the first six months. What do you it mean? was always there, but I never went. Right. I'm going to go tonight. And then I Dude, a midnight to 4 a.m., that means you can do a couple spots and then finish it off that night. Finish that means like you're, you're out past everybody. But when you That's like Glenn Rice being in the gym. Got to hit 10 three-pointers in a row. Got to switch 10 three-pointers in a row oh, before I leave. It was amazing. But I finally went one night. And the night I went, I walked in there at 145. Yeah. There had to be 40 fucking people who were just alcoholics. <laughs> the place smelled like cigarettes from 1950. <gasps> it was just gross. But to the right-hand side, there was a bunch of young comics, a couple of old guys. I didn't know who they were. But on stage, it was John Leguizamo working out one of those fucking plays he does and two of his writers taking notes. And this is this dump bar. This is not Caroline's on Broadway. I don't think Gotham's was there yet. Yeah. This is just a dump fucking bar. And here's John Leguizamo on stage. I remember getting a Coke, drinking it, putting it down, getting in my car, and, and now knowing what I have to do to get to the next level. That's Be nonstop. Big Be million non- dollar this baby. This is John Leguizamo. He's been on HBO. He was already big. He's already big. And he's working on an open at, mic at 145. At 145 because nobody would see his material. It's off, off Broadway. Right. The old triple in, you know? And then that was what motivated me in 93. That's what t- said, okay. Then in 96, I got re-motivated when I saw Doug Stanhope live in Seattle in 1996. I had never saw anything like that. Right. That was just completely Why? Different. What was he like? He was, uh, it was something unbelievable. Like, I had grown up watching Pryor and this guy and that guy and when I got involved with comedy at first you know I don't know who were the big ways like Anthony what's his name was huge yes huge in 94 95 you know uh, the kid that that hangs out I forget what his name is he had just won the San Francisco comedy competition he was huge he was at the comedy works I started in Denver and all of a sudden I moved to Seattle and it's on the schedule. Doug Stanhope is going. I knew Doug from Boulder. I had started in Boulder, and I knew Doug. And what Doug did that June of 96 at that underground, I had never seen anybody done. That's the old underground with the crooked the old stage? underground with the roaches. and the You know, I knocked my... I did it one time with Rogan, MySpace secret show. I knocked the, the mic stand down. You know, it's got a circle on the bottom, and it started rolling away. <laughs> After it was already done, that's how crooked it all was, and earthquake out it was. It started rolling away. I shoved my foot over it and bring it back. The old, old underground, yeah. downstairs. Yeah, downstairs. Tremendous club. And so what was he doing, Stanhope? Like, what kind of... He was completely free on stage. Free. Like, I, I was used to watching the stand-up of a guy in front of a microphone. He blew my mind. He was all over the place. People were walking out. He was apologizing, but then telling them, come back. You know, if this joke didn't get you, my tit-fuck joke will. Uh I mean, he was just everywhere. And I remember I had a Saturday night gig, and I canceled it, and I went camping with my girlfriend at the time. And I think I cried all day because I was like, that's what you want to be. That's how free you want to be on stage, and I'll never have that. I will never be that free on stage. 
Wow. That was like the, the biggest motivator I ever had in my life. Then I ended up Man, opening for him so? that New Year's. I ended up opening for him and really getting to see. I'd How see was that getting all. to talk to him? I knew him already. I had, he slept in my house. I knew Stanhope. I started comedy in June of 91. I knew Stanhope probably April of 92. In those days, the triple had a Colorado run, and Tuesday was Boulder, but Wednesday you were off, and Thursday you were in Craig. And I always, I got divorced, and I had the spare bedroom, and if a comic was cool, I'd say, hey, man, instead of paying for a hotel, stay in my house. A couple guys I asked, and he was one of them, and we kept in touch. And when he had come back in 96 to Seattle, he had just won the Seattle, he had just won San Francisco. And he was the hottest comic the in the country. Stan Hope. Yeah, Stan Hope in 96. Competition. That's hilarious. Doug but Stan he was like the second motivator, and he talked me into moving to L.A. Really? Why? Yeah, because at that time, the Spick movement was going to be huge. They were, they were they talking were about that. The Latino movement's going to be huge. And he kept saying, there's Latino nights at every club, come down there, so... Still hasn't really hit, has it? Never hit. I mean, you have one show here or there, almost always George Lopez, you know, but like, you never get this like five shows this year about Latino people. It never moved, it never got as far as like the black movement, you know, Mm -hmm. the black movement. Yeah, they had black shows. Yeah, they made their movies and they made their TV shows. The Mexicans just have too pride and the Cubans to get together and write something, you know, it's just too much... They all hate each other, too. Mexican comics hate each other. Mexicans and Italians hate each other in the comedy scenes. Blacks get along with each other. Well, not a couple weeks ago. What's his name? Got into a fight at the store. Who? So was Eddie Murphy at the store? Oh, Rocco? Yeah. No, Eddie Murphy wasn't at the store. Arsenio Hall doesn't know how to use grammar. All these rumors. I even heard about it. Baldinger called me. He goes, I heard Eddie Murphy went up at the store last night. I goes, that's wrong. Go, did you hear anything? I'm like, no, but I've just heard that rumor before. For 15 years, I've been hearing it. No, it didn't happen. Arsenio Hall wrote, I got back on stage tonight. Um, hey, Eddie Murphy, you would really get a lot out of this. That's what he meant to write. And he wrote, got, Eddie, without a comma, Eddie got on stage tonight. You get a lot out of it by working hard. So instead of Eddie, I got on stage where Eddie got on stage tonight. And everyone ran with it. And all these news sources are going like, no, what I heard is he waited until after Arsenio was done. Then he did 10 minutes. And the, and the, uh, the uh, uh, staff instructed the audience not to take any pictures. It was like, you're making up specific details. He wouldn't even at the club. He wouldn't even, he didn't even come in. Night. I was there. Yeah, There's, me too. We he didn't there. even come in. And they go, he went in the main room. The main room was our Sam's Tripley's, our, our fucking slavery benefit. I think it either benefits slavery or it's against slavery. I don't know. And so then you moved to L.A. Yeah, that's why I moved to Do L.A. Do you remember those days in New York doing open mics and like sling going from spot to spot? Did you call them mics then or did you call them open mics? I called them debt. <laughs> they were I pretty in bad. New York. I went back to New York from uh, January of 93 yeah. to like uh, October of 93. And I probably got on stage in those eight months, maybe 15 times. What? That's I was it? driving a limo, and I was doing blow, and I was... Just 15 times in eight months and still calling yourself a comic. Garbage. Garbage. I was dibbling. I was dabbling. I was hanging out the comic strip. 
I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I was trying to make a living. I was trying to pay child support. The last two months, the last two months that I was in Jersey in 93, my dream had died because I thought I was going to go to New York and make money enough to catch up on child support and attorney bills and support myself. I was selling cars. I was driving a limo. I was making money, but I was so far in debt. Yeah. Like, I needed like $8,000. I was making like six, you know. (laughs) To, to get out of this hole and three of it was going to blow in New York and yeah. then I finally stopped selling cars and I just drove a limo full time and I was uh, selling stuff I was working for a phone service dropping off packages for 400 a week then I bumped into an old friend of mine that said listen man we're gonna start robbing some motherfuckers and we went back to work and we robbed like three guys what how uh, they were coke dealers, and we just, he had DEA jackets and badges and shit. Really? False arrests. I like it. And we did that for like two times, and I was like, this is not what I want to do. But I made good money. I put a bet in that I couldn't cover, and it covered, so I got that money. Oh. And I said, if this bet covers, I'll go back to Colorado. If, the, if God wants me to have this money, I'll take get a plane ticket, go back to Colorado with like 10 G's pay some of those bills off and get going and calm. That's exactly what happened. You did? I did. I got a break. I, and I went back to Colorado. I moved to Arvada. I tried to be a father to that kid again for about a year and a half, but it was just too hard. We Why? Because of uh, poverty or because of... Just the, it was just we were at the peak of the divorce, and you know I thought I wanted to be a full-time dad, not knowing, like, wait a second, I can't be a full-time dad. Yeah, ooh, how ooh, could ooh, you do that when you're doing comedy? There's ooh, no way. There's no way. I, I was fighting for something I didn't know. And then after it got ugly and after I said, you know what? I never even wanted this anymore. <clears throat> what, fatherhood? This is not what I wanted to this degree. I didn't want to be fighting with somebody to see a child. So the child felt that. And one day I said, fuck it. I'm going to go for it. And I moved to Seattle and here I am. 19, 20 years fucking later. Yeah. With another truck. I left Boulder in June of 95. And now it's going to be 20 years in June. This is what I've done in 20 years. Do you ever think years. about not being uh in L.A. with the kid, with your daughter? With Mercy? Yeah. This baby? I don't know if it's All the time. What do you think? Of like moving to some other place? Like a oh. suburban lifestyle? Or something? Yes and no. Yes and no. What I really like is a fucking... Like a boardwalk empire. They shoot in New York, so I have a reason to live there. Oh, and for me to get six out of nine or six out of 12 episodes or nine out of 12 and have to live down the shore with my family just so I get a taste of that. In like Long Island or something? Or you mean like... Down the Jersey Shore or mid, mid New Jersey or something. You put know, them up there and then just go in, shoot. Take a train in, shoot, and come back, you know, just... I mean, it's not like I'll be jumping off buildings. I'm not that, you know. A boardwalk empire ship, it shoots in New Jersey, huh? Whatever. I'm just yeah, saying. that'd be perfect. A boardwalk empire, yeah. Sopranos, uh, Breaking Bad, anything. Uh, a good hour network show that shoots in the city. I would take it and raise my child there. Yeah. If it was a substantial part and they paid. Yeah, yeah, you know. Those are dreams you have. I think of living outside Vegas sometimes. I living. Why? Just, I don't know, because you're close to it, but not close enough. You know, Vegas is booming for comedy now. It wouldn't be is hard. Is it really? The problem with Vegas is for comedy is that it's like all these gigantic names come through there. So the local scene is like, why would anyone go see a local show when 
you know, the best comics in the world on are Friday definitely there. Saturday. What do you think happens on Tuesday? What do you think this right. When the cool people go out. Not 9,000 people out in Vegas for conventions. Every week there's a convention in Vegas. Yeah. And so that's why you have new truckloads of people. All you need is 50 people a night to get started in a little room, move up a little bit, get to a 200-seater a night. It's all a matter of hustle in Vegas. How much are you willing to go in the daytime, shake palms? You know, if you're pulling down 20000 a week, you got to give five of that out. You got to go to a couple of concierges, give them a fucking 50, buy this guy a blow. Wow. It's a, you know, that's how you stay, you know, that's how, listen, it takes money to make money. Yeah. Okay, you're not going to walk into Vegas and people are going, oh, Joey's cool. Let's send Just people over cool to his it. club, the magician oh, down the right. corner. You got to promote yourself He's giving that this way. guy fucking 50 bucks a head, you know what I'm saying? So if he I come to you and I go, Ari, I know you're into doing powder. Listen, everybody you submit to my fucking thing, I'll give you $5 a head. Of if I have 15 people doing that a night to me, one. I got a packed show. So what? Instead of making 10,000, I only make eight, but I make I pay other people out. You know, that's the that's the mentality. Yeah. I remember Ralphie did that once. He said he got billboards in, in, in Phoenix. Like, billboards? He Why? Because it cost me 2,000 and I'll make 3,000 extra. Why not? Yeah, it's smart. How much money do you spend on this, this stuff for her, for Mercy? What, toys and shit? Yeah, all of it. I mean, all of it. How much more is your nut now? It's a lot more. You know, the daycares, the swimming programs. Uh, but it's worth every penny. I don't look at it that way. I look at it that I got to go out and make more. Oh. You know, now I got to go out and steal more. You know, that's it. That's I don't look at it like, how can I save a dime with mercy? How can you save a dime with mercy? Put a fucking towel on her and send her around naked, you know? <laughs> and, uh, 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 this country got hip that people want to buy shit for their kids and programs cost money and yeah. you know the YMCA is cheap but that little Catholic daycare is expensive and but strollers cost money the too strollers and, and clothes and diapers and clothes she outgrows in no time right listen man raising a child you, you sacrifice for your child yeah sure you know, your dad and your mom did every parent sacrifices there's a part in a relationship where you go without you know uh-huh. So your child, I, I, I wake up every morning. I, I see these fucking people in Hollywood that have made a living for twenty fucking years, and they walk around with this cavalier look on their face. And at the end of the day, they haven't done dick. They haven't done dick. They've been part of a fucking clique or something. They haven't done dick. They haven't said nothing funny. What? You know what, man? I worked really hard for everything I got. And every morning when I get up, Lee, uh, whatever your fucking name is, Ari, the first thing yeah. I say is how fucking lucky am I to have these things? How lucky am I that my wife doesn't have to go to work now? How lucky am I that yeah. I don't have to get on a fucking car at five and drive two hours and dig a ditch, which I have nothing against. But how fortunate, but Yeah, that you know? doesn't sound good. I give thanks every fucking day to how lucky we are that we got to do this. If you would have told me 20 years ago that I was going to be in Studio City fucking doing comedy three nights a week at not just the comedy store. Yeah, everywhere. But the epitome of what comedy is, is the comedy store. Yeah. This is it. This is, there's no better. There's no better than Madison Square Garden. There's no better than, there's just some things that, there's nothing better. You've reached, you're at the top of your game. You're at the fucking comedy store, you know? Yeah, that is the best. I remember Atari doing that once. Like doing- Every time I, I pull the car out of there and I go, what the fuck is this? 
Every time I'm pulling that car onto Sunset Boulevard, yeah, I'm on Sunset Boulevard where it is kind of cool. Like part of that scene. Around. This is what Guns N' Roses and Jim Morrison and all these bands walk these streets. Quiet Riot and fucking Ozzy's, but Motley Crue, they lived on Gardner in those garages. You know, when you walk past Gardner, past Thai, the Thai restaurant back there and all those garages back there, mm-hmm. they lived in one of those fucking garages. Motley really? Crew. You know, when we used to Just walk to get Sunset in? and we were poor and you, you went to whatever, yeah. they did that. And now we're pulling out on Sunset. Uh, After a cool. ten thirty spot, it's pretty cool. At the same place, this is the same thing Richard like Pryor that. and Freddie Prince did twenty years ago, thirty years ago, and we looked up to them. Fox, everybody walked that stage. Everybody walked that fucking stage. So, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I'm not doing drugs. That I don't have to, you know, get up at six all coked up and hug my child and not be a fucking hypocrite. With wow, him. I'm so fucking thankful. But like, I have a friend that drinks now. I don't bother her i don't give a fuck if she drinks but every day when she calls me and she's hammered at four i think about like she's in a fucking house drinking she must think she's the best thing in the world right now there's such a world out there drugs held me back from that world yeah drugs held me back all those fucking years i got nothing against drugs (laughs) i ain't mad at you just saying what they did my choice you know but uh it's been great, man. That's the difference in the two years I've been a dad with this child. That I've really, I've been here. Yeah. So what? I smoke a fucking joint. So what? You eat a pot cookie. I'm a fucking adult. I can handle <laughs> that shit it's like nothing. That's just a bump in the road. You know, that's just like being dizzy. You ever see the Oprah ladies talking about raising their kids high? What did they say? They said, look, we can do it. We're more interested in our children's and lives on Oprah. Fucking talking about that. Like we have more patience? You know, if I was drinking alcohol, running this machinery, if I, there's a thousand things that I could have been doing that I'm not doing anymore. Just the thought that I have a job now, we make a, you know, we make a living, an honest living. It may not be people. Pretty weird when people go like, what are you doing? My Benji's brother asked me, I'm a comic, like, "Uh, how long? I'm like 15 years. Like, what do you mean? You do that? I'm like, yeah, man. That's how I pay all my bills for the last 15 years. 15 fucking years. And it was like, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Do you have different friends now that are like her friends' parents? Or do you like make friends with people to take, get hand-me-downs for clothes and shit? No, no. I have... Uh, it hasn't changed your social circle? We have... Well, it's funny because Eddie had a baby. Oh, right. So he's one of my friends. I talk to him every day and we talk baby shit sometimes. Uh-huh. In the jiu-jitsu oh, really? and in the reefer talk, we talk about... He's saying the alphabet. They watch this. He loves How old this. is Eddie's baby? Three. He just turned three this so week. So right close to the same age. And then my friend Damon, who used to make all the Joy Karate videos, he's got three children now. Wow. So usually if I'm home, I go over there on Saturdays and the kids play together. And, you know, this guy made so you're the already Karate videos. Yeah, we've been friends for 20 years since I did Scare Tactics. Scare Tactics. And, and uh, one thing I did see where I live in the area I live that I think people... And this is a fucked up thing to say, but it seems like in the Studio City circle, like when I go to the farmer's market and I see people with, it's like they became parents to have a social life. Yeah. It's very it's fake. Like dog owners, exactly. Look what I have. My and they have a babysitter and the babysitter or a nanny and they, that's it. You know, when I take my, uh, Mercy to the park two, three days a week when I'm in town, I'll take her in the mornings before my day starts. The whole park isn't filled with one parent. 
It's just black moms with Mexican, white kids. Mexican, Mexican moms with you white know, kids. And you yeah. sit there and go, wow, this is cool. But your kids, t- somebody else is taking your child to the park. I never thought you wanted to disconnect yeah. that. That disconnect. That's that's the whole fucking thing is watching them fall and picking them up and hugging them. Yeah, being at the park with them. Telling you love them. That's why you want to be a fa- parent, right? Yeah, that's so I can why. take them to the park. Not so they go to the park. You know, you see all these Hollywood kids, and you see it, you know, oh, well, he's got problems. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day that was telling me about his kids and how he had a kid with a famous movie star, and the kid's got a ton of problems. Yeah. You know, he's sexual, he's gay, but he doesn't like sex. And it's like, because you were too busy filming, and he was, too, and she was too busy filming. Yeah. So they had somebody in between. Now the kid gets to be 22 and goes, how can you do this to me? How can you do this to me? Leave me with fucking strangers <sighs> to get raised, you know? Little things like that. I mean, it, I have, you know, my wife does not work. My wife is an aggressive fucking savage. She'll still work. If, if, if I let her, if like it. But I talked her into it. I go, you're only going to be a mom one time. Yeah. Enjoy this. Be a fucking mom. So Monday, she goes to soccer. Tuesday and Thursday, she goes to school. Wednesday, they go to a friend's house. And a bunch of kids come together and they bring food. They go to portos and the moms talk shit. Be a fucking mom. They do. Yeah, and then right. Friday she does something else. You know, Mondays, uh, Tuesdays, when we take her to school. I love listening to my mom gossip with her gossip friends. <laughs> it's fun. Did you? Yeah. I, yeah, my mom used Sydney to have. chips and listen to them talk shit about people. Pretty fucking cool. But thought that's the difference. I take her to the park on Monday mornings before I go to jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I take her in the, in the fire truck and her little car. Upstairs, and then Tuesdays we take her to school together, and then Tuesday mornings. You're gonna watch her the whole time when she's at the park. I mean, you gotta like literally keep your eye on her, or you can I you look do down and check the your phone. All the time. And listen, man, that phone is killing fucking America. Put the phone away. You're I with your fucking you. family. If the phone rings or the phone beeps, yeah, I pick it up and look at it, but my eye is always on her, right. and I'm always ten feet from her. You know, I'm always ten feet from her. Trust me, Mercy likes her. You know, I'm an only child. I'm independent by fucking nature. Plus, my my mom's independent. And Terry, as long as she's got a book, she's you can leave her in the corner. So I knew the kid was going to be independent. It's too. She's got too many things in, in that. We're very, you know, all I need is a joint and a fucking chicken cutlet. <laughs> and, and you're you good. Le- and you're good. You can leave. Sounds With the TV good. don't work, that's good, too. The TV don't work. I have a I have a band playing in my head at all times. As long as I got reefer all day, there's a parade in my fucking head. <laughs> you playing war picks all day long? Yeah, it's a DJ, and you know. Yeah, that's funny. Um, what was I gonna say? Does she make you see the world differently at all? Like now that she's two years old, are you seeing like up your surroundings differently? I see me, Ari. I see me differently. What do you mean? And by looking at her, it lets me know who I am. Just by looking at her sometimes. Little things I forgot that were what I was about. You know, like, Mercy's got great instincts. We went to a park one day, and some little boy was doing something in her face. I go, blue, and she kept pushing his hands away. I didn't teach her that. That's not, I, didn't, I don't know anything about that stuff. Yeah. She just refused to let him, you know, when you can't take something from Mercy at the park. Yeah. You're going to have a problem. You take something from Mercy. She will fight you back, you know. I see that's. What do you think she? That's natural. That's who we are. You know, I see her, and I remembers. I remember me at that age. Like I remember seeing pictures of me at that age, and how we looked alike, and what really? the fuck happened to me? You know, like what the fuck happened? You know, like I think of my youth a lot. I think of stories. You know, 
sometimes I look at her and oh my god, I remember my mom telling me when I did that, you know. So how does that make you look at yourself differently? Makes you remember who the fuck you are. Right, right, right. Things that right. we forget sometimes. It's it's really reminding me who the fuck I am and you know, looking at her makes me think of the challenges I had at three. I may not remember them, you know. If I could live two weeks after she turns three, I beat out my real dad. My dad died a week after I turned three. Really? Yeah, so, like my mom used to tell me that whenever the door opened, I would always uh, look at the door to see who it was. It really you got ten months me. left. Yeah, I got ten months All left. All right, you'll do it. <laughs> I think of that. I think of my dad on the floor dying that night, holding his heart. And I think about how his last thoughts had to be me. Because while I'm dying, I'm just going to be thinking of her. While the Lord's taking me, whoever the takes me, the devil, Buddha, Chen Wu, whoever the fuck takes me. My last two minutes on this planet while I'm dying have to be thinking about her. That's all you're thinking about. Is she on your mind all the time like that? All the time. They have to be. The same way you were on your parents' mind all the time. Right. That's your that's your common uh, that's your uh, you know when you put a story together they say that's a common thread yeah that's your it's the same thread. shit your parents went through you're going through and you that's what Mercy's going to go through morning, you look at the crib you take a shower it makes taking a shower a lot easier you know why because now you have a purpose I got a dirty trick played on me Ari I really did have a dirty trick played on me. Life played a dirty trick on me up to the point with Jacqueline. No, up to the po- up to the age of thirty, I wanted to die. I didn't give a fuck if I died, you know. Not the thirty, I go. You know what? This might be cool. I don't want to die anymore, you know. Yeah. I'm not scared of dying. If somebody says something to me, I fucking hit them with the car, Suge Knight style, or something, <laughs> you know. Then when you have a child, you walk on this trampoline like you walk with a safety net, like. I don't ever want to be away from her. So this is how I have to act. This is how I have to conduct my life. If not, I'm gonna. she's going to disappear just like Jacqueline did. Right. I have to act a different way. Uh, there's a Purpose. Movie, there's a movie that came out in 87, 86 called Internal Affairs with Richard Gere and uh-huh. Andy Garcia. The ending of that is great. Once Richard Gere gets killed as he's going down, he goes, don't have kids. Don't ever have kids because... They put your head somewhere else. When I first had a kid, when I was 28, I didn't want a kid. You know why? Because it weakened me. It weakened me. I had to do things that I normally didn't have to do. Like Weakened you? Weakened me, you know. Yeah. Listen, 10 years ago, if I woke up on a Thursday and I had to go to Cleveland. Yeah. And I had 300 tickets sold. Yeah. What? But I wasn't feeling it. You just wouldn't go. <laughs> the king of the not show up. <laughs> She's not in the mood. Where are you? Uh, I'm not. You're in no danger. <laughs> That's what you would say to people. You're in no danger. You're in no danger. Now I have to do it. Right. All right, yeah. So, so that of, weakens you? So, well. In one no, way, no, I get no, it. No, 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 no. But you understand me? Like, I don't have that choice anymore right. as a man. Now I have to go because I have to bring Mercy a paycheck. Yeah. But there's another side to it. You got a bird you got to feed. You got to bring your worm home to your bird. Go to jujitsu. Yeah. Ari. There is nobody worse at jiu-jitsu than I am. <laughs> I've been there. In May, it's going to be two years. 
and I know nothing. Yeah. I've probably sweat <laughs> people twice. I've never gotten a submission. I've never tapped anybody. Oh, really? I always tap out myself and cardio-wise. really? While I'm oh, tapping you, I'm choking you. I get choked out. I'm like, hold on. I can't choke anymore. I'm running out of oxygen. But it made me realize how bad a shape I was in. So I go to fucking kettlebells. I lift weights. I, I do all these things to be better at jiu-jitsu because I realized how many areas I was weak at. You know, I train with three different guys. One guy works me some other way. John Evan works this way, you know. Like, I go to jiu-jitsu at three different places wherever I am that day. Like, whatever my schedule permits. One guy teaches in the morning. One guy teaches at 12. If I can't make 10.30, I got a guy at 12. Yeah. Wow. And, but I'm doing all these things because by me doing all these things, I get, I want her to be 7 and for me to be 57 and for her to go, where are you going? I got to go to jiu-jitsu. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I want her to see that this is how you teach your child. You don't teach your child example. by telling your child. You teach your child by them seeing you do it. So what, it makes you want to do more things so that you can show her, like, look, see, I do these things. I've done that before. I write more sometimes to impress other comics. Not, it's not to impress them. It's to show them that this is how you have to take care of yourself. Oh, right. It's to show them that when you have a commitment, you have to go. That's what you show your child. Yeah, sometimes you write to impress other comics. That that's one thing. I'm not here. You know, my dad maybe do once. I, I missed his haircut apartment with Fred, and uh, he was like, "Hey, how come your hair's not cut?" I was like, "Oh, I didn't go." He's like, Did you "Call Fred and tell him." I was like, "No." And he goes, "Go down there and pay him out of your own money." I was going to pay for the haircut, but now you go pay him out of your own money. And I'm like, "What do you mean? Why I didn't even go?" He's like, "Because you fucking could have got another appointment." So I had to take all all my savings and go pay Fred fucking twelve dollars in a tip. You never fucking missed an appointment. No, yet. I call every time. I still do. This I is, still do. I'm like, you know, they, they can make another appointment. They can let them off the hook. In, in, the, in the minute and a half it'll take to make that call, they can get on with their life. She's two. One thing I have to try to do, because I, I don't know what the percentages all are, but I see it because I lived on that life. I'm going to tell you something. If your parents do drugs, you're going to do drugs. My parents don't do drugs. And you do drugs. And I do drugs. But your brother doesn't do drugs. I, I think they all smoke pot now. I think my your sister, sister doesn't get high. No, my oldest sister's not. Okay. If you come from a house where people do that shit, people yell, you're going to yell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, little things that I, I didn't like. I was telling, I, t- I rekindled a friendship with an old friend of mine. I mean, a family friend. Like, we, I was 12 and she was 10. And we would go to each other's homes. Her father was a big bookie. But her mother was a big Santeria lady. Yeah. And our families were tight growing up. And we we connected on Facebook, and we talk every Saturday, pretty much. We talked this morning at like six, you know. And uh, we were talking about all the things we saw growing up. Like her and I saw some shit, like like shit, like that. God, like she was telling me about this guy that was a family friend that he shot this fucking house up. He was a, a cook well, guy, and he really? shot this fucking house up for what? Just, and he shot a kid in the process. He, he died in prison. Oh. His name was Tati. He, he shot the drug dealer's 16-year-old daughter and her boyfriend who was sitting on the couch. It's a horrible oh. story. But this guy shot a 1,000 people. I mean, he was close with my mom. I mean, dear friends, my mom knew what his business was, which was death. Yeah. And uh, I forgot what the fuck I was going to say, but we're talking about how I don't want mercy like this today. I smoke on the balcony. Mercy was out here playing soccer. I took the pipe and went to the yard. Mercy doesn't know what the fuck I'm doing. You don't want, you, you don't want to I don't see want her to see these things, you know. Till uh, when? 
Because you're not going to hide it from him forever, right? I mean, she's in. I mean, imagine she she's in me. college. Well, you burn that bridge when you get to it, right? But I don't want her to see me when she's five out here blowing a fucking. So you want dude. her to ask you at like, let's say sixteen, like, "Hey, my friend smoked pot. 13, what do you think about 12, that?" 10. And then you go, "Actually, I do too." And I'll tell you about it. Sure. No, I did, and this is what happened, and this is. I, I'm not gonna lie to you, right? But I don't want you to see me and be. It's like when parents when. When it's like alcohol. It's like it's yeah. not right for you yet. Parents send other parents' kids away for a night, and they have a party, and the kids come over the next day, and they're fucking hungover. Yeah. And you're hungover in front of your fucking kid, yeah. talking about, I got it's smashed last night. It's the embarrassing. Kids see this. It's embarrassing. You know, you have to set presidents in front of your child. My mom was a great lady, and part of who I am is because of her, her outgoingness and her craziness. But she did a lot of things in front of me that I didn't want to see. We were talking about it today. Like, all right, one of the stories that we were talking about this morning was she was telling me that she remembers the time, the night my mother smashed my stepfather's head with a fucking saint, like a ceramic saint. Really? He flicked a cigarette at her. She wanted a cigarette, and he flipped it out of lit. Like, he lit it and flipped it at her, and my mother took it the wrong way. She lost it? And when he was sleeping, she busted his head. And then he got up, discombobulated, he went to chase her. And then she fell down the outside stairs and slit like her eyebrow. And then I jumped in, and then my friend, her dad, her brother, had to get involved, and we had to pick my Jesus. mom up and take him. My, and my stepdad left my mom the next day. My mom belted him in the head with this fucking thing. Uh-huh. So she was saying, she goes, "Do you remember that story?" And I go, "Yeah, yeah." She goes, "Do you remember being in the kitchen? Like we were all. It was the winter. It was like a week before Christmas. It was around holiday time. There was snow outside. That's when my mom slipped." And uh, we were talking about it, and she goes, you know, I know you suffered a lot when your mom died because my mom's been dead for two years, and I'm in hell, and I'm 50. I can't even imagine what you went through at that age with all the obstacles you had. But she goes, here's a story that made me know you were going to be fine. She goes, so we're in my kitchen. They, they, my, your mom refused to go to the hospital. The cut was deep. She goes, your mom is sitting there with blood on her face at 6 in the morning, they're wiping the blood off her face. She's not crying or nothing. She just has this blank look on her face. She's drinking a whiskey, and she's smoking a cigarette. And my mom asked your mom, how are you feeling? What are you thinking right now? And she's like, how am I going to fucking get up tomorrow morning and go kill that motherfucker? Really? Find him. Your mom had already busted his head. He was in the hospital getting She wasn't done? Up. She was not done. That relentlessness, Jesus. if you got that, we knew you were well that's you know, where you get that from yeah I'll shoot I, you in the leg oh I guess <laughs> that's where you get that from time. no and, and tell this motherfucker I'm gonna shoot him in the fucking leg she fought for what she believed in like, yeah. she's like you're not gonna flick a cigarette at me in her head she's right. like you're just not doing that not in my house you know they were together 10 years at that point even longer they were together a long time but just little things like that I don't ever want my daughter to see that at the age of fucking 12 like I, really yeah Really? Your mom bleeding from her head because she hit your dad in the head with a fucking saint? And on the run out the front door, she slipped on ice and banged her head on the fucking... And you had to see that. No, you don't want her seeing that. No. No. So what are you going to do? Just hit Terry in the bedroom when your door's closed? Yeah, just kick her down the stairs or something. (laughs) Mercy, turn away (laughs) and go for it. That's funny. There's just so many things, man. And daughters marry their fathers. Right. Is either they marry their fathers or they marry the opposite of their fathers? Their fathers. And you have to be careful. Listen, man, I love Jackie with all my heart. I made a constant decision when she was five that 
I got into a fist fight with John. John who? Her, the my stepfather. Ex, my exes and the cops came. Yeah. And when the cops were there, I looked over to the car at one point, And my little blonde five-year-old girl. Yeah. Who just was interested in Barbies and Aladdin and whatever the fuck was out at the time. Was crying in the backseat of a car, you know. She had to see this. From my mind, I won the war, but I lost the battle with this little girl. You know, so I got to hit the guy. The guy knows who I am now. I'm not angry no more. I feel better about myself. But look at that five-year-old girl. She felt like I did that night when I saw my mom hit. Oh, another another thousand. Because my mom and my dad never had problems like that. Though. They beat each other up. It was my mom at the bar. There were so many nights at the bar where I saw my mom pull a gun out of her purse on somebody and go, get the fuck out of here. Really? And I'd be sitting there going, what if he leaves and comes back and shoots my mom and me? What are you at the bar for? Because that's that that's was what I did care. at that age. At 10, it was my daycare. 11. 10 what? A.M.? Ten years old, you know. At oh, ten. ten years old. You know, when I was a kid, uh, on a Friday night, that was my hangout. I went to the bar with them. I had friends that lived close to the bar, so I would hang with them till about midnight, till they had to go home, and then I would go back to the bar and stay yeah, there until three in Jersey. In Jersey. And I'd stay there till three, till they closed up, and I'd go home with my mom and dad. You know, that was my life. You think I want that for her? To be at a fucking comedy club till three waiting for me? No way. No way. It's I remember just, those people who brought their kids to the comedy club, to the store. Beaumont and like, and like that, that Mexican woman, the real pretty Mexican lady who did pretty well. Lid, not Lady Nicole. Tavares. Yeah, Kim Tavares. And then her kids were there. The five-year-old kids were in the And it's like, what are they doing in here? You know the level of the weed smoke is pouring in the back. Fucking, you know, some old guys trying to finger blast Shamatosh in front of them, and it's like, what are they doing here? It's like Listen, those two year olds in Vegas in a stroller at 3 a.m. I want her to know what the world is like. Yeah. But there's a time and a place, and there's an age. That's not brother. the world, though. That's not the world. That's not the world. But you know what, Ari? You can live your life without ever going backstage to the comedy club. They have to see all that shit in a controlled way. Yeah. I didn't see that shit in a controlled way. Right. And I'm more alert for it, and I'm very happy that I have a street education. And I want her to have a street education also, Mercy. So do you get worried about her being soft if you don't give her the education, the street education? You know what I mean? It's like if you don't get into a fist fight when you're 40 and some guy... Should be fine without the street education. You've done great without it. I have a thousand friends who succeeded without it. I want her to have that little edge. A little bit, yeah. I think women should know. Women should know that side. I don't know her edge. There's a lot of women that live their life and they go into shock at 26. Because some like, guy it's a real does world this, some guy does this, some life does this. Life's going to have fucking curveballs at you. And you get buried instead of when you're 14 and you're like, yeah, I guess my friends are going through this too. I want her to know what the world, and that's what my mother wanted. My mother always wanted me to know. I mean, I did shit at 12 that most people don't do at 20. At 12, you know, I did shit that... I got on a bus and went to New York City and walked around Harlem and did... Wow. Elephant tranquilizers. What age? 13, 12. But you would never let her have anywhere close to that. Or would you? That's the choice you have to... That's that's the... That's the... Let him get into trouble. That's the hypocrisy. That's the... That's the fucking thing when you're a parent. Would I let my daughter at 1979... Walk around New York from 48th Street Port Authority, 
and get on the bus on 178th and go back to Jersey on THC Crystal? Will I want that for my daughter? You know, I was telling Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan told me on the podcast the other day that in 1995 or whatever, he moved to New York. One of the first things he did was he went to Harlem. He took his car and went to Harlem and drove around. And after about an hour, he decided that that's not where he wanted to be, and he never went back to Harlem. I could look you in the eye and tell you something, Mari Shafir. From the time I was five to the time I was 21, Harlem was my backyard. Really? I knew every nook and cranny. I don't know about the five boroughs. I know a little bit about Canarsie. I know a little bit about Cuppos. Uh, I know. Leesburg, Lewisburg, and Brooklyn, that, those areas. I would go up there to cop, or I had friends that were mafia people that they knew friends up there. You know, I knew parts of Queens, like by Shea Stadium. I knew parts of uh, the Bronx. I knew the best, the number two suburb compared to Manhattan was the Bronx. Really? I knew the Bronx, Tremont. I knew Grand Concourse. Bronx is just getting nicer now. Just getting nicer. But Harlem, the Stone Cold Harlem, from 113, where Zoraida lived on 113, yeah. all the way to 180th. I knew every weed spot. I knew every coke spot. I knew every gambling spot. I knew gambling spots if you wanted to go play blackjack. When you, on 181st Street, when you go to Port Authority, if you if you go up to Broadway and make a left down to Amsterdam, yeah. there used to be a parking structure there. On Fridays, Saturdays, and Thursdays after yeah. 2 o'clock, you go in that parking structure, the elevator takes you to the fifth floor in your car, you get out, and a valet walks you to a gambling casino. What? Right in the fucking parking garage. Wow. That's how brilliant that was. And they had broads, you could buy blow up there, you go up there, it opened at midnight, instead of open until fucking 12 o'clock. Wow. And you could play poker, you could play black, it was like going to Atlantic City. Wow. I knew all the, I knew where you could gamble chickens, I knew where you could play <laughs> with chickens, <laughs> you know, where you could gamble on chickens. Oh really? Cockfights? I knew where you could get a bazooka, I knew where you could buy machine guns, I knew where you could buy a kilo of blow in an hour, or an ounce of coke. I knew all these spots, wow. I was in there. I remember I had friends that would go, I love driving you to Harlem. Because I love to see you walk the streets. You walk the streets like if you own that joint. Because I knew in New York City in those days, it was all your body language. It's all your body language in those days. Why would a white guy walk on 181st Street at 10 o'clock at night with fucking 10,000 on him going to buy blow? I did that shit. Yeah. I do that shit all the time. But you can tell, you can tell, like, if you stick your finger in a socket and you hurt yourself, doesn't mean you have to let your kid do the same thing. Just because you did it, you know it's it's damaging. I don't want... I want her to know. There's a really interesting episode of The Sopranos when he's talking about Meadow, uh-huh. Tony, and he goes, you know what? Meadow, I ain't worried about. It's my son I'm worried about. Why? You know, he... He, he was he, getting in trouble. No, he just he was stupid. Oh, right. He wasn't the sharpest fucking little Tony. He wasn't sharp. His daughter was sharper. She would always use your head. You could always make... It's what she the, could make the right decisions. You know, you were a sharp kid. You knew... If somebody's going to pull the wool over your eyes. There are people in L.A., girls. That street can't looks be- dangerous. Let's th- go around. That I can't believe are in existence. There's still a lot. <laughs> I, couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that Shayma Tosh, as beautiful as she was, dated yeah. men that she did. I can't believe that. I look at women and go, what, your dad never talked to you? Nobody ever talked to you? These guys are full of shit? Right. And a guy walks up to you and he, you don't know these things? These are the things you have to let your daughter know. That a lot of guys don't. I don't need to talk to my daughter about orgies or sex. That's disgusting. I don't want to do that. I don't want to know about her fucking sex life. I just want to teach her how to 
get through this fucking life like my mother did with no man controlling you you making your own way yeah you know and you never letting nobody fucking touch you as a woman you know listen man as a woman you have to be tougher than a man especially if you're gonna do comedy or you're gonna go into a man's world which is everything it's everything Listen, they, uh, the women play football now. They want to fucking fight in the MMA. But at the end of the day, it's a man's world they're getting themselves involved in. And it's a, it takes a tough, a tough skin for a woman to be in that world. Ronda Rousey's a lot tougher than what she is because she's around men all the she's fucking around, time. Yeah, she's in a man's world, so the gym. You have to prepare women for it. Not every woman can handle that. Not every woman can handle that. So how are you going to prepare her for it? Mercy. I don't know. Right. Do you try to come up game plans her? for stuff? I mean, do you sit down and be like, what, what should I do when this happens? Or what should I prepare? Like, like not now, but at fi- when she hits like 12, 13, if, like, if she gets knocked up, what am I going to tell her? How am I, like, she should already know, right? I don't even think about that shit. I'm just trying to get through the threes with her. All right, but even the threes then. But like, do you like, like plan out like a year ahead? Like, like what should I do? How sh- what should I let her see? Like you do the, with the weed. You're like, I don't let her see me do that. You made a decision and thought about it. Or is it just wing it? I don't know. I'm asking. Listen, nobody. There's no book for parenting. There's right. no Bible. There's thousands for parenting. of books of parenting. <laughs> right, but nobody's got the real answer. Right. The people that write their books, their kids are all fucked up because they're too busy <laughs> writing the fucking book. Okay. I want to see what their fucking kids look like. There's no. Yeah, it should be a picture of them on the back. It should be their fucking. I'm gonna tell you a story. <laughs> they're uh, moron kids. One of my picking their nose. You know, Joe Rogan's an intelligent guy. Uh, what's your buddy that you write with? David Taylor. He's a very intelligent guy. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know what his worries are in the world. I don't know what his questions are about the world. You know, Joe Rogan worries about Bigfoot and fucking the pyramids and whatever. You know what my biggest, you know, like, what do they call them? The seven mysteries of the world. Uh-huh. Seven wonders of the world. I'm going to tell, tell you what the biggest wonder is for me. What? How a guy like me, that let's 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 throw our cards on the table. We came from a broken home. Because yeah. they died. I'm an orphan on paper, if you look at it. Yeah. Uh, when they were alive, my mother showed me a little bit too much. And the people she had around them. I mean, when I was six, one of her friends was a top-notch burglar. And she didn't know, but I used to teach him how to... He used to teach me how to make the keys to go into apartments. I would help him at night. Wow. And after I'd finish, he'd give me orange soda and crackers. Meanwhile, my mom thought I was up there making models with, with, with this guy. He ended up robbing Mayor Koch in the 80s. This guy was a great thief. His name was Mongito. His wife was Latina. She was a Cuban-Chinese woman. My mother loved these people, you know, and they loved me, you know, but this is what I was exposed to. You know, Ari, I could look you in the eye and tell you something, and you could fucking take that word to the bank. I could have character, you know. And then I look at somebody like my ex-wife, okay, who had two parents, white, every opportunity in the world. Yeah. And as a human being, she's just a total piece of shit. Like, just a total piece of shit. Like, I wouldn't piss on her if I was on fire. If she was on fire. That was one of my mysteries. How a guy like me that had everything going against him could be here sitting across from me and I control every crazy emotion I have from shooting a fucking motherfucker in the leg... And then you go around people that came from a great life and are just total pieces of shit. And not that they're even pieces of shit, is that their characters were garbage. 
You couldn't. They'd sell their soul. They, they'd rat you out in a Weasels. fucking minute. You know, and that's my biggest mystery in life. That is what what baffles me. That how a guy like me comes from shit, and I know white kids that have every opportunity. It's still something you can be, something you can be proud of. No, I'm not proud of it. I, I'm baffled by it. I'm baffled by it. I'm baffled by it. I'm baffled by how a guy like me is is. Uh, let's face it: when you're a comedian, you have to make your own schedule, uh-huh. and you have to be. Uh, very tough on yourself, you know. I don't smoke pot because it lightens my mood. I talk, I smoke pot because it checks me. Because pot is the parent I never had. I never had time to sit down. And when I sit down and go to get Full Metal Jacket, what's that game you play with the people people robbing cars? Oh yeah. What's the name of those games? Grand Theft Auto. The Grand Theft Auto. Full when Metal I Jacket. sit down to play fucking Grand Theft Auto. I smoke weed. I'm not relaxing. That weed's telling me there's something you could be doing. All right. Even if even if the weed is telling me there's somebody walking around with 500 in their wallet, and it belongs to you, go get it. Go get it. But it's telling you something. It tells me something. Move. The weed has never let me sit down and be lazy. The wow. weed has always made me, hey, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing sitting in front of the TV at 10 o'clock? Come on. Come on, go. You got shit to do. You got a joke you can write. There's some, it's like Dom Herrera says, you know, when you play basketball, there's somebody out there taking jump shots right now. We're on that crossover. We're on that crossover right now. You're sitting here fucking camping. Really? Really? You want to camp? And then you cry. So Freddie said at Jason Hart's. Jason Hart's like, Freddie, come on. Let's go uh, Let's go lift weights. He's like, bro, go lift a pen. Write a joke, motherfucker. What do you do with your life? Yeah, lift the pen. It's true. You know, and then you, you cry why. So I, that's what baffles me. That's always baffled me about parenting. My mother got the main things through to me. Do you understand me? When my mother died, she left me at 15. You look at 15-year-old I look at 15-year-olds. Not developed yet. Tells me not finished. At 15, I look at them and I go, they could not handle. What you had to handle. What I handled. Not even fucking close. Where'd you go live with after your mom died? I went to live with some friends, the Benders, who I love dearly. The Benders. Jews? No, white guys. Oh, Lithuanian, Italian. That story for Zoraida was great, by the way. People love it. People loved it. She, you know, she took Zoraida. I mean, I mean, who gets that story from a lady like Zoraida? Yeah. Zoraida was a fucking drug dealer. Let's play it simple. Zoraida sat on Slash top of the apartment, you know, from 8 in the morning to 12 at night selling drugs, and she'd pack up her shit and go to her home in Long Island. I remember my mother telling me one time, Zoraida ships... 100000 a month to fucking some bank in Cuba once a month. Really? That's how much money she was making selling 20s. 100000 a month. Just all 20 sacks? She gave me so much money when I was growing up. All I had to do was call. Like a parent. Like I didn't even, I didn't, you know, I only had 12 minutes already. Yeah. I only had 12 minutes. I turned it into 15. I, I have an hour that I could tell you about Zoraida. Right. How many nights I called her at 11 and go, listen... I have to take. I have to go to a college tomorrow. I had no college to look at. I had no college to look at. What college? Right, right. They just called me. I had to take a train to Northwestern. It's going to call eight hundred dollars. Should we just give it to you? Give it to me. Oh man! You have no idea what I did to that woman. What I put it through. Oh. You know, I, I can't not tell you that she loved me and she get. You know, the way I looked at it, she was a drug dealer that was rich. I didn't look at a at a lady who was taking care of me. I was so caught up in my world, my mother dying, that I didn't look at it from that perspective. You have from no idea. Point of view. You have no idea. She had people that she was paying 
She had three bodyguards. She had three bodyguards. She paid a dude to sit in front of the bodega, you know, 200 a day, a guy in the stairway, 200 a day, the guy at the door, 200 a day. To sit there and guard. The guy, another guy with a gun inside, 200 a day. If, she, if you get, you know, she didn't leave the house because she didn't believe in leaving the drug trade to anybody. So all the meals that were brought into her, she gave you a $50 tip for bringing them in. Really? You know, her day was fucking... You know, I used to hang with her, you know. I used to go over and see what her cost was. She'd take a cab to and from Long Island every day. What? How much is that, 100 bucks each way? She lived in a beautiful home in Long Island. Wouldn't drive a car in? Didn't have a car. Didn't have a license. Oh, wow. Those people are invisible, all right? Jesus. I gotta get my license. Jesus. So nobody really fucking knows. But look at the lesson I learned from her. What? She was a friend. She was a friend. I remember her going to my stepfather and going, hey, you're going to pay for the fucking tombstone here at least. And him going, well, we have to wait for the concrete to drop. No, you don't have to wait for nothing. Either you do it or I'm going to buy it. If I buy it, I'm not going to put your fucking name on it. And she went and bought like, you know, like nothing. You know, when she would show up on Sunday, she'd show up with 5,000. Hated him. Hated him. Hated him, you know. So it was uh, the wake, bro. You know, I was light at the wake. Like when she choked the fucking funeral director, she had that motherfucker against the wall, sweating bullets. You know, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm retiring. She this had is him business. on fucking point. Like he's like, you know, you can't drink here. Uh, go in your fucking office. Or she would go in her bra and just take out like five thousand an envelope here. Get out of here. She had five thousand in rubber bands at all. Wadded up. Twenty of them. In her tits. What, what do you want? What, what, what are you saying? Here. I'm saying that. Here. And the guy would take the money, get in the fucking okay. room, come out. And she would sit in that fucking wake and sit there in the back and look at people and, okay, excuse me, didn't you owe her $20,000? He better have this money by fucking Monday at the funeral. Oh. When my mother died. I must have had 40000 in cash. And debt coming to you. Debt coming. She fucking checked that. She collected. Yeah. People thought they'd get out of it. He better have his money on Monday. Well, I'm going to give it to Who'd you borrow it from? Denora, why are you giving it to Juan? Give right. it to Coco. It's Coco's fucking money. Right. She checked people at the fucking wake as they were walking away from the casket. Let me talk to you for a second. Denora gave you a gold chain. She told me on the phone last week, it better be here Monday by the fucking funeral. You know, she checked everybody. Shh, Jesus. She was, her, you know, to see that friendship. And I didn't catch what she was doing until two or three years later. And then as I grew old, older... I watched friends drift in and out of your life. Yeah. And I thought yeah, of her. Happens. Like, they never drifted out of their lives. My real education. From childhood. From, from, like, right after childhood. And, and all I remember her was as a kid. I remember going over there and my mom, no matter where my mother was fucking going. Do you understand me, Ari? No matter what her day entailed. I know you got to go to HBO. I know you got to go to your manager's office, Ari. But at that point of the day, you stop in. Yeah. She would stop in, taste whatever she was eating, do a blast with Zoraida. <laughs> she, she would give Zoraida money, or Zoraida would give her money. They'd talk about the numbers. They'd giggle about some guy that Zoraida was dating. He had a little dick, and then my mom would hug her, and they'd kiss, and they'd fucking leave. You know, my mom would go in and go, I don't like this dress, Zoraida. What do you got? And Zoraida would go, oh, this cost me 800 You can't smoke cigarettes at Denara. I would I smoke a cigarette? Wow. My mother would burn the fucking trash. I mean, they were just friends, Ari. Yeah. They were just friends. It was a beautiful fucking friendship. And people, usually when people, you know, I seen Sean Pulaski the other night. 
Yeah, she's nice. When Sean Pulaski, nice when Marilyn her. Martinez died, Sean Pulaski's one of our great friends. They talked every day. Yeah. I talked to Sean for 10 minutes the other night. Marilyn's been dead for seven years. Not once in the conversation that she goes, you still think of Marilyn from time to time? You know what I'm saying? As a writer, thought about my mom six years time. later. Six years later, she would say, oh, I remember one time your mom smacked this dude in fucking Cuba. <laughs> she was 13 for hitting on her. You know, it was just a beautiful fucking friendship. And you have to really look at people sometimes and go, you know what? Let's pretend something happened to that person. How would my last years on earth be without that person? I talk to my friend George every day, Ari. Yeah. Every day. I talk to my friend James every day, Ari. I talk to these people every day, Ari. This is when I get up at 6. Yeah, you're always good for a call. You know Joey's calling. I, I, today I or tomorrow, to you'll be calling. That's how I was. That's what Zoraida taught me. Yeah, the quick, nice conversation. Check in. How you doing? What's that's going what on? Stay up. Me. Texting doesn't give it to you Why quite. Why are you my friend? Why are you? Listen, there's... There's friends that we have. Hi, oh my God, it's so great to see you. And there's motherfuckers you look at and go, dog, I'm having a bad fucking week. And they know exactly what's going on. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Let me give you a hug. Let me take you here. Let me take you there. And they never mention it to anybody. Those are your friends. Yeah. And listen, man, I have two friends that once a week I think of when I'm driving and I'm brought to tears that they're gone because I want them to see this. I wanted them to see me on stage. I doing wanted well. them to see me on a set. Not even doing well. Just, just to Don't look you at become? them. Just to look at them and go, Psst, come here. My next scene is with De Niro. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> These fucking idiots think I'm an actor. Like me and him would be giggling right now. Like, right. look at this fucking old fuck. Gonna do you know, like, because they know who you are. They know what your train of thought is. They know. I wish Darren Rago was here every day to go to the store with me one night and go, can you believe this when I started this? Can you believe when I won the contest in, in Hoboken? We went to an open mic contest. He right. won the fucking funniest bodybuilder contest. Did he really? Lines. Did he really? Night. Yeah. Darren he won, Rago? Like, the funniest contest. <laughs> I went to do an open mic I love that funniest bodybuilder, the funniest teacher in New York. Yeah, they always have those. He went up there and won first place. He won like a porno and a $50 gift certificate. That's how we were like funny. Like we would just crack stupid a jokes. porno tape. But that's... There you go. When you're... Uh, yeah. When you're uh, dealing with her with Mercy, how do you split up the responsibilities with Terry? You guys talk about that, or is it just like, you can't all do both of it, right? Again, man, every day is different. Every day you wake up and she has a different need, or Terry has to do something. Uh-huh. You know, two weeks a month, I, I'm only home till Thursday morning. And you go on the road. And I go on the road. So those weeks there, I, I give up something yeah. to spend the morning with Mercy, you know? Yeah. Uh, an afternoon with Mercy. I always give up something. Not to mention, I always eat dinner with them. Yeah. It's very important for me to eat dinner with them. People call me all the time, hey, man, you do my podcast at 7, it's not happening, uh, brother. I remember it used to be when the phone rang, the landline rang at dinner time. You go to get it, your dad would sit down, eat, we're at dinner, you don't get that right now. You'll get it later. And in fact, before that, they used to even be mad at people for calling during dinner hours. If you call from 6 to 8 p.m., it was rude. Because you're like, you know, people have dinner right now. You remember that? Fuck yeah. It was rude to call during... If you got to tell how dare you? I'm having dinner with my family. <laughs> it's so indignant. For years when I worked with you, I always told you, even before Mercy, 
I got a pet peeve. What? Sundays. Sundays. Oh, you don't want to work Sundays. You never want to work Sundays. There's a reason for that. It's not the Lord. First of all, I worked enough fucking Sundays. Yeah. And number two, I got a girlfriend who was going to be my wife. Yeah. You know, I never had a family growing up. How do you make a family? Yeah. By taking time out and making a family. Sometimes it might be you, me, and the cat. That's a family, Ari. That's the best semblance of a... And what do we grow up in this country doing? Sunday dinners. Sunday dinners, Sunday drives, Sunday drives, Sunday everything. To do a 7 o'clock show for 100 people on a Sunday night. I could live with that. That's the problem. It's always a lighter show than the rest of the shows. Look at her. It's always lighter shows. I like those tattoos. Oops, too loud. Um, There's a blonde around the corner. So it becomes like a workout show. There's a blonde around the corner with a German shepherd. Yeah. She's something. Really? She's either a high-tech porn chick. She hides. She very hides. I mean, she's a fucking 12. Wow, really? Her body, she's a fucking pantera. Wow. Like, her body has no fat. She has a gap between her legs. She's either in porn, something. She's beautiful. She doesn't come on this block over there. She lives in one of those houses. She has a German shepherd. I see her once a week, but I got to drive on that. Sometimes I got to make a U-turn or something. To go see see her her. again? No, no, no. Just I'll make a U-turn, I'll see her, and I'll go, Wow. She's definitely it's it's but she's like cousins with that one. Oh really? Like long hair, but tall, like Daryl Hannah, but just a beautiful fucking face right around the corner here. Oh. Uh, no, the duties we share, it's just as they come along, man. She play it by ear. Yeah, like, well, am I going to be there that week? Well, somebody has to because I got to go visit my parents. Yeah, you cancel. I'll tell her, listen, you know, go do this for two hours. Let me sit here from six to eight. We just watch you. Watch it or like I don't, spot till, I don't have a spot till 11.30, so I got to leave by 11, so get home by 10.30, yeah, and we're good. I do all that stuff, man. Okay. I do all that stuff. You ever get into I, fights over that? No. You know, no arguments over like, no. come on, I'm working too hard, you're not, sh- you're not pulling your weight? Listen, man, I'm, I'm 52. Yeah. I come home on Sunday nights, I don't give a fuck what you got, unless it's, I can't do it. I know, I know, I can't do it. I gotta start doing that. I like, cannot no, no. do Frazier Smith show at six. It's Sunday. Six. It's fucking one a.m. Is when it is. Frazier Smith. Yeah. The talk show radio. Yeah, on Sunday nights. That's when it comes out. But you shoot at five. Uh uh-uh. uh I've been there. Doing twelve to two. Twelve to oh, two every Sunday night. No, no, no. That's not midnight happening. to two a.m. Uh, <laughs> I have a hard time sleeping. So. I made a plan here. Monday nights I do the podcast, and Wednesday nights I do the podcast. Yeah. So those two nights I'm in the house. I have a hard time sleeping here? No. You don't have a hard time sleeping here? No. What did you just say? You have a hard time sleeping here? No, no, no. I have a hard time sleeping something like that. Oh, right, right. I do comedy five nights. If I go do comedy five nights, even if you get off stage by 1130, you have the 15 minutes of talking shit outside the comedy club. Then you get in your car and you drive home. Now it's 12 o'clock. You get home, you're not going to go right to bed. Right, no. You get up, you turn the TV on, you get a book. Two hours before you go to sleep. Two hours. So it's two hours. So now what time am I up? I'm up at 630. So if I do that four fucking nights in a row, my blood pressure's dead. So I can't do that. So what I usually do is I have a schedule. Yeah. Mondays and Wednesdays I do the podcast. Even if I'm in, t- even if I got to leave Thursday morning, that's my plan. Yeah, I can't deviate from that. But Tuesday I go out and do comedy. If I'm in town, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday I go out and do comedy. Yeah. Wednesday and Friday night I stay home Friday night because by, by Friday afternoon I'm wiped. Friday my day is usually light, but I know after that last thing I got to do, I don't want to have to come out and good. go eat to dinner with them. And like last night we went to some church and it was kid night. Ugh. At the church around the corner, so they watch movies and they feed them hot dogs. So I did that with them till eight thirty. They have a uh, playground, so Mercy said, "Fuck the movie," and she went and ran in the playground for two hours. By the time we got her in the car and pulled up, she was sleeping. 
you know, I have to do. I have to spend time with my family. Right. I, 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 I. That's the main thing. I make sacrifices because I know a that it's the law. It's the law of continuing returns. After a while, I'm not getting nothing but going out every night and doing fucking comedy. Right. And just no, being away not. from it's my family. Returns. You're right. I gotta sit here. Here. You gotta have gotta some sit life here and relax. And those two hours I sit here, I read a book. I plan on reading a book every week. Really? You know, I do. I do a lot of shit. Like I told Justin that. You know, it's not just doing comedy and coming home and smoking dope. It's not just that. It's, There's I have more a to it. Thousand fucking things. Yeah. Sunday nights from seven There's to nine. There's more to it. I got to schedule podcasts every week. Do it. Record it. Put it up. What am I going to do if that? I'm gone all the time. Seven to nine Sundays. I'm usually answering emails. I got anywhere from really? fifty to eighty fucking emails Jeez. a week. You got to answer those. Really? That's Sunday nights work. Answering those emails is is fucking. You know, is my fucking bible. Monday nights, I got the podcast. I run around. You can't run around every night. So those sacrifices I make Friday, today, I went swimming with them. I hung out in the morning. I'm still here. You can do this. You know, I do this. I'm here. Tomorrow, they go to church. I go work out at 10. Yeah. By the time they come back at 1130, I'm here. We hang out. We talk shit. Have a good Sunday. We take her somewhere. Does it make you not want to be on the road as much? Kind of like Rogan? Absolutely. You like want to get back to your family? Listen, there is no way... That when I started this, there's something I knew from day one. I was not going on the road 52 weeks a year. Yeah, right. That was never going to be my career. I don't give a fuck what they tell you, what your friend tells you. That is no career for a comic. Right. 52 weeks a year. By the third week, I don't even know what jokes I'm telling you. Yeah. I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying to you. It's not fair to you, and it's not fair to me. I don't mind doing 30 weeks. I love work. I'm not scared of work. But I want to give the consumer the best fucking show I could give them. By the fourth week in a row, it's not me. Yeah. It's this machine. I started saying shit to hecklers. I don't want to take as many pictures. I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's annoying. You're I like, want to oh, give you little. 100% of it. So I'd rather go out two weeks a year and maybe see you once a year than go to a town twice a year to do what? Do what? This is this is a long this is a journey, not a fucking race. You know, so this year I'll miss San Jose. Big deal. I'll hit it next March. Big deal. At least you're doing something with your this life. This year I'll hit Baltimore. So what? I'll miss it next March. You know, right. you do these things and, and I know how to lose a family. <laughs> so I know how to keep one together. Wow. Yeah. I know how to lose a family. I lost a family twice. I lost a family that God took away, and I lost a family that I you took just away. couldn't control. The addiction and who I was then and who she was. Couldn't cover the spread. And the realizations. I couldn't cover the spread, and that's what happens. So I know, I know how to fail. So from learning how to fail, it made me know how to put to keep this together. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, this might be it, but like do you, uh, I see a lot of comics who have kids, and it becomes their act. Have you been writing more stuff about her, or do you try to stay do you away see from me it? on stage doing stuff about her? No, I do not. That's why <laughs> I never liked it. No. I never liked when people did that. It's like I get it. Your kid did this cute thing. Their kid did that cute thing. It's all the same shit. Can you believe what she said? Can you believe what he did? Yeah, it's just kids. I mean, I'll tell you one thing. I am going to write a bit about. Because it's the most offensive thing I've seen. If you want, I'll show you. What? The potty videos, they have to show them. Yeah. 
the most authentic. I was sitting there going, what the fuck is it? They show little shit coming out of the kids. No way, not really? Real, like drawings. And if you have a penis, you tuck it between your legs and you, you know, that <laughs> stuff there because it rubbed me the wrong way. You have to talk about it. Yeah. But me talking about going to the park and seeing my kid, I don't want to talk about that shit. Right. I don't want to talk about that shit. It just doesn't fit my, it's like me putting a suit See, on. Yeah, you're a fucking criminal on stage. stage. So you're yeah, going to be new to yourself? It's a criminal on stage and it's a criminal in my heart. So I don't want to, Jokes are gonna come up. That's like some shock jock talking about, you know, some yeah. reality show. Stupid jokes are gonna come up in your act or whatever, and you fold them. You know, I put gel in my hair. Yeah. So some nights I get so fucking high before I take a shower. Yeah. That I put gel in my hair, but my hand has gel, so I wipe it over my eyebrow, right? And yeah. It gets in here, so my eye will stay open. <laughs> like I <laughs> stay frozen open. So for <laughs> for no, for weeks I keep putting fucking visine in my eye, and my eyes don't adjust. This eye's small and this eye's wide open. <laughs> you realize so the joke. I was going to write a joke about that. That yeah. you, know, you just get so high, you go like that. Yeah, that's the stuff you write jokes about. Gel, you know, there's little things that you see that it, there might be a fucking joke in there. But no, I don't want my daughter in my eye. I never liked it. I just never liked that style of comedy. It was just like, I don't know. I mean, it's fine for some people, I guess. It's just, I, it's not my taste. I don't care for it. So that's good. Do you feel the need to? No. Feel You don't feel an urge to? No. Well, that's good. Not at all. I don't want it. I don't yeah. want it to be like, I don't think, I don't think I can sell it anyway. Right. That's it. I don't think oh, I right. can sell from it from anyway. you. Yeah, I don't think I can sell it. It's a cutesy joke if I have, if I wanted to be cute. But I'm you not ain't looking cute. to be, there ain't nothing about me cute. that's cute. So why am I trying to be fucking cute, you know? Yeah. So two years in. How are you feeling overall? Very good. Yeah? I feel my goal in life was always, you know, we always want to be good at what we are. You want to be a good carpenter, a good painter, a good singer. For years, I just wanted to be a man. I wanted to be a good man. Mm -hmm. That's something that was very important to me. It means the world to me. That when I look at you, I'm a man. I'm your man, dog. Don't worry about nothing. I got you. That means that that was very important to me. I, I wanted to work on my manhood. You know, uh, seven, eight years ago when I got off Coke, I got a lift in my life. I got a lift because I was more of a man again. For you, I was always a man, but with the Coke, I always had a little fear. I don't have that fear no more at all. I'm a fucking man. I, want when, I, I don't want people to go, Joey was a good comic. I want people to say he's a good fucking man, dog. Mm. That dude's a badass motherfucker. You know, I got into a bind last month. That motherfucker showed up with two bazookas. You know, not one, but two bazookas. Yeah, that's what you want people saying you know, about you. Yeah. When I got, when I was in a bind, he showed up for me. He told me he was going <laughs> to be bazookas. there at 10. He, he was there at 9.50. You know, I always wanted to work on me being a man. That was always more important than the comedy. Everything else will come. The comedy will get strong. Everything else will come. But my manhood was what I wanted to work on the most. I don't know if it's sounding the right way. A lot of people at home going, maybe he's machismo. No, no, no. I wanted to be a man. That was the most important. I wanted to leave here being a fucking man. And there's nothing that makes me feel more of a man than me being the man of the house. Me supporting my wife. Me supporting uh, my child. That makes you feel like a man, huh? It makes me feel like a yeah, man. Yeah, I bet. I always thought that's what a man every, In every TV show, that's what a man is. Everything else comes. But that's my. that was always my main goal. Uh, I don't want no drama in that fucking house. Right. When I step threshold in that house, I don't want no other women in that house. You got house. a yard and a picket fence and yeah. that's the whole deal. I don't want nothing going through that house. 
My main goal every day is for that woman to be happy because if she's happy, the kid's fucking happy, and I'm happy. You know, I don't need, I don't have time to play golf. You know what? I love to go and sit at somebody's house and watch the Super Bowl. I got a wife. Right. I got a wife. And well, you, do you miss not being able to go to someone's house and watch the Super Bowl? Not at all. Really? Not at all. I never liked sitting around with guys anyway. All right. Well, this is what I always wanted in my heart. I just oh. cover the spread. This is what I always wanted. You just weren't ready for it when you got it. I wanted the simplicity. I wanted the Waltons. Remember the Waltons? I remember the Waltons. Barely. At night, he used to say, good night, Grandpa, and they turned the lights off in the house. Good night to every single... Everybody. I good night, John to, Boy. Good night, John, John Boy. boy? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I fucking torture Gentiles. What? I torture Gentiles. I make fun of white people, you know, like people who are... Or, who, plan weddings and who do everything by the book is when I mean Gentiles. People who oh, right. have a plan for everything. White people. I love when you say that. Irvine, the Irvine Improv is full of white just people. fucking white people. You know why I say it like that? Why? Because it doesn't mean, oh, white people. You mean like these fucking clear, nothing people. I always wanted to be a white person. Really? That was my goal in life. Blue to be a white person. To come home at five, pay your taxes... That's what I started this mission to be. I wanted a family. I wanted to support my family. Whatever I had to do. Dream of white America. Dream of white America. I wanted to be able to put a flag out and barbecue. And, you know, so what? I had a family and I got a couple bumps along the way. It was the equations here. It's three quarters here. I'm supporting a family with what I love to do. Right. That's fucking. You're not working at IBM and fucking cleaning no, up every I'm night not, or something. I'm not painting a house to right. support my family and hating it. You know, I love yeah. what I do. I love my wife. I, I love the child. And I'm just trying to give somebody a better life. That was. And you get joy out of that. Absolutely. 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 I, like I have. I have joy of helping my friends. You know, the same way you do. You know, you gave me money a thousand times. I have a joy in helping my friends. I I love all that stuff. I really love it. But this was always, I always wanted to be a man first. And all those years, I was trying to be a comic. I was trying to be funny. I was trying to get in this movie. I lost myself. I lost myself from 19. I had a couple of dashes of brilliance in 95. <laughs> yeah. When I made the decision to let my daughter live a normal life without me in, in it. You know, and let me go it, get what I got to get. And someday I'm going to succeed at some and I'm going to come back. And either you're going to take me back or you're not. And this is what's happening right now in my life. Right. But I have to go do this for me. I had to go become a man for me. I was never, you know, when I went to jail and all that, yeah, I got into fights and I made a living. But anybody could sell drugs making a living. Doing what you love, making That's- a living and supporting your family. And I don't need to cheat on my way. Hey, I love to get my dick sucked by a 21-year-old. We all do. But I come in a minute. Is it worth losing Everything my family different. for a blowjob? No. You know, so this is this was the outlet of this. I just wanted to always be a fucking man. Everything else is second. Before all the hoopla and the laughs and the ha-ha-ha and the HBO, and this is not happening, and the specials and the road and the chlamydias, you're a man. We're a fucking man. We got to act like fucking men. Yeah. This is what we do. This is our line, yeah. and we're going to enforce it. I don't give a fuck if you want me in Santa Monica at 5.30. I'm telling you what I'm fucking doing. I'm telling doing. you no. I'm not going I'm to t- that. I'm telling you what no I'm interest. doing. <laughs> I love That's, it. I love that. That was what I always wanted to do. 
All right, Joey Diaz. I love you, cocksucker. When I is this coming too. up? I don't know. Maybe before I go to Brisbane and Melbourne and Sydney. When are you leaving? Then? Going. Uh, I gotta put them up before I go. I'm going April 12th. I start like the 14th or the 16th. Um, in I'll Melbourne, be in, I'll be in Grand Rapids and at the South Point Casino in May. I'll okay. be in Houston, Texas, and the Tempe Improv in April. That's it. Boom, there you go. There you go, cocksuckers. I love you. Stay go to madflavor.com? No. Go to madflavor, joeydiaz.net. Joeydiaz.net. Tour dates, and go to madflavor on Twitter. Very nice. And the Church of What's Happening Now is one of the greatest podcasts. That's it. We try. In the 40-year history of podcasts. That's right. We try. <laughs> All right. I'll I love talk to you. you. You're probably the highest-rated Cuban podcast in history. Yeah, me and Fidel Castro. <laughs> yeah, the Fidel podcast. That's it. That's all we got. I'm going to watch you shine. Going to watch you grow. Going to paint a sign so you'll always know. As long as one and one is two. There could never be a father's daughter. You know why Joey's the greatest? He calls me every day. I mean, sometimes it takes two days for him to call me, but he calls me to check in. His two-minute conversations. How you doing, buddy? What's cooking? Why are you avoiding me? What's new in your world? I'm so bad at impressions. By the way, I told the, I told the Passover story on stage at the stand. Three shows on Passover. And it went... Well, the first one went pretty good. Second one went... Okay, and the third word was just bad. But maybe I'll do that every every uh, every Passover. It helped that it fell on a Friday night, but it was interesting. Even when people weren't laughing, I think it was interesting. But I mean, I deal with laughs, so interesting doesn't really matter to me. Um, yeah, Joey Diaz. It really was about redemption, wasn't it? About learning from something. That's the same thing with that story about Zoraida. You learn from something. Guys, honestly, go, 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 go look at that, that story. This is not happening, Joey Diaz Z. Or this is not happening playlist. You can see them all right there, but Joey's at the very top. Scroll to the top of that playlist, and Joey's at the top on the right hand side. And then you can go down. You can see the other Diaz ones. You can see Rogan has a great one, uh, uh, Segura, tons of people, Julia Lillis, John Huck. Anyway. But Diaz one is all about redemption, about. Doing something and not being able to recover from it. Not being able to, like, there's, sometimes there are no second chances. You know? Sometimes people get fucking high on heroin and their, their parents disown them. So they can't get their life back on track. And then when they finally do get their life back on track, some people just, you know, won't forgive them. And all you can do is move on. All you can do is, a lot of times, is learn from your experiences and move on. And decide, you know, how you, what you want to be like, what you want to do. And, and all you get, all you, all you have to go on is your experiences. No, that's not all. You also have people, other people talking. But this really was a, a story about redemption, about Joey Diaz saying, you know, I, I might not have done it all correctly the first time around with parenthood. And like he says, maybe he wasn't ready. And he probably wasn't. That's weird. A lot of people are just forced into parenthood when they're not ready. And then when he was ready now... Man, he loves Mercy. He loves taking her out. He loves playing with her. Can you imagine a 50-something-year-old guy? 
I mean, if he was white trash, he could be a great grandfather by now. 18, 36, 54. Close, close. You have to have a couple 16 year old kids in there. But uh, anyway, don't forget to check out Joey Diaz. Go to joydiaz.net if you want tickets, but he's going to be this week, 4 9, 4 10, April 9th and 10th in San Diego, California, Houston, Texas the week after, at the improv. Tempe the week after that at the Tempe Improv, then Dr. Grins in Grand Rapids, and Las Vegas at the South Point Casino. Uh, and my dates, I don't really have any shit coming up. So just come see me at the stand uh, or the cellar or wherever you want. He really is a great guy. I'm going to call him right now. I'm going to beat him to the punch and call him. Me and me and uh, Simone are going to uh, have a... Have a uh, Went down to the river well, Jordan. I think actually we talked about it in this morning episode that I taped. When I say taped, do you guys know what I mean? Uh, all right, you guys. That's it for me. Still looking for an apartment, but I'm making headway. I think I pretty much found some stuff that I could take. So I'm like, all right, it's always happier. And I've got enough to move till May 31st. So I'm pretty golden. That's it. Enjoy, everybody. And by the way. No, I was going to say if you want to check out a comic, but couldn't really think of anybody. Go, go download Tom Segura stuff. He's always killer. All right, Shafir Skeptic Tank, episode 213. Two Years a Slave with Joey Diaz. Over and out. My soul arising ever, Lord, for the year when Judah rose. Hallelujah, rose, Judah rose, rose, Judah rose. My soul arise in heaven, Lord, for the year when Jordan rose. Hallelujah. Roll, Jordan, roll. Roll, Jordan, roll. My soul arise in heaven, Lord, for the year when Jordan rose. Everybody say, Roll, Jordan, roll. Roll, Jordan, roll. My soul arise in heaven, Lord, for the year when Jordan rose. Roll, Jordan, roll. Roll, Jordan, roll. My soul arise in heaven, Lord, for the year when Jordan rose. Roll, Jordan, roll. My soul arise in heaven, Lord, for the year when Jordan rose.